Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Denny's and the official start of the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season. I'm Jordan McAbee of Rotoballer and, of course, my co-host Nick Giffen of the Action Network. Now that we've gotten a – oh, there's one. I, I got I to join you here. There we go. Now, remember, the over-under set for this episode, this season open, official season, season opening episode, I set it at 11 and a half. And as of now, it's almost split. 54% said over – 45% said under. Nick, before we start, what's your prediction? I'm predicting under only because I have uh, a spot to do with Jim Sonis of FanDuel tomorrow morning for me. So I can't be too blitzed, uh, you know, after recording this show and uh, ha- have to at least be coherent for that. So I'm going to take the under, but I am going to indulge. Okay, you should see. You should have tweeted that information out because you know people are gonna people are making their bets based on not knowing that information. But yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now that we've gotten a taste of racing with the clash a little over a week ago, it's time for the real fun to start. Great American Race Daytona Five Hundred. It's upon us. Few days away. We're recording this on Tuesday. Coming up this week, we have qualifying on Wednesday night. Dual races on Thursday night. That's going to fully set this starting lineup. Before we get to Daytona, though, I want to take some time and just plug our content once again here, Nick, because, you know, depending like most people probably didn't or a lot of people probably didn't know that we did an episode for the clash. So go ahead, let everybody know where they can find your content and including a second podcast that you're doing this year. That's right. So first of all, as always, you can find all of my content at Action Network, actionnetwork.com, the Action Network app. Uh, We'll have articles. Obviously, you, I will have all my picks tracked in the Action app, as you will as well, Jordan. Um, and uh, my content at Fantasy Labs for DFS will be written free articles for Fantasy Labs and then a paid subscription if you want to access the projections and optimizer over at Fantasy Labs, which, of course, Action Network owns Fantasy Labs. So it's all under the same umbrella there. But that's where you'll be able to find my stuff. And like you said, the new Action Network podcast, so the in-house podcast there at Action Network for motorsports, running hot with myself and our friend Stevie TPFL, Stephen Young of Rotogrinders, which is also under the Better Collective umbrella. So Better Collective owns Rotogrinders and Action Network, and then Action owns Fantasy Lab. So it's like this big umbrella, but because Stevie and I are now both under the same umbrella of the same uh, ownership company, Better Collective. We get to do an in-house podcast, so it's going to be definitely different from Stacking Denny's. So while there will be obviously some overlap, I mean, we're talking betting, right? But uh, you and I definitely, we go on more rants. We talk about a whole bunch of different things in the industry. Stevie and I, our podcast is going to be much more like bet, 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 boom, done, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I think there's definitely room for both podcasts, and I hope all of you listen to Stacking Denny's get to listen to Running Hot and those people who listen to Running Hot. I'm going to try to push them over to Stacking Denny's as well because I love doing both shows. And, I mean, let's be real. This is this is the first one I got to do, so I love it. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you check out Nick's content, all of his projections, everything, all of his betting content over at Action Network. Like he said, you can also find my bets on the Action app. Go ahead and follow me there. You can find my uh, DraftKings projections as well as my algorithm projected projected finishing order i can't talk tonight uh you can find that over at roto baller now through sunday use code jordan when signing up you're going to get 30 dollars off for the year you're going to get all of my content for 2023 for 69 dollars and 99 cents nice i'm sorry that's cheap that's so cheap 
Like, it's so cheap. It's ridiculously like, cheap. I don't, I don't. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I provide very good so, content. Jordan, you provide incredibly good content. Um, that's why you and I became such good friends right off the bat as soon as we knew about each other because you're sharp. You know what you're doing. You provide great content. When I was at Rotoviz uh, back, you know, twenty when when NASCAR DFS first started, I was actually at Rotoviz in 2014 doing NFL stuff, and then 2015 NASCAR DFS started. I grew my my viewership, readership of NASCAR DFS, et cetera. And, you know, I think it was very clear. I was one of the leaders in the NASCAR DFS industry. Again, not toot my own horn. And it was just that we we definitely, me, you, Stevie, a few others uh, were kind of the leaders. I ended up getting my subscription prices for the year, I think up to two or 300 bucks, somewhere in that neighborhood by 2018. So $69.99 is a damn steal. Go sign up for Jordan's package. <laughs> Use promo code Jordan over there at Rotoballer because it's an absolute damn steal. It's a really nice steal. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to, to getting back on that full-time content train and, and getting back into my groove here. But continuing on with this podcast, uh, before we go into Daytona, let's go back and talk about the clash for a little bit. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. He went winless in 2022. Comes out, gets the win at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Looking back at loop data from that race, Truex had the best green flag speed. He only led 25 laps that race. Ryan Priest led the most laps in that race, 43 laps led, and then Bubba Wallace led 40. I thought Bubba Wallace was going to win. I actually was rooting for Bubba Wallace because I also had a bet on Bubba, but I did have Truex eight to one. Glad to hit that. Glad to get the season started off yep. with a win. But the second half of that clash ended up being a caution-filled mess. What did you think of that race, though? And can we take away anything moving forward from it? First of all, I actually thought the clash was really good for the heats, the last chance mm-hmm. qualifier, the first half of the main event. But that second half of the main event was an absolute total shit show. Uh, yeah. There's no two ways about it. It was a mess. But uh you know, I, I enjoyed the overall. I actually enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. So I was very, very happy that I enjoyed the whole thing. Uh, I did profit as well. I didn't in the action app because there's certain bets you can't track in the action app. I had winning car number over 14 and a half, which given the fact that the three guys you just mentioned, Priest, Bubba, and Truex were the three best cars, I feel pretty good that they're all over 14 and a half, you know, on that bet. So very, very happy about that one. Uh, didn't hit any of my other clash bet so i went one for four but of course my all the others were just small little sprinkles on some long odds Mm -hmm. so uh that's totally fine by me but um as far as what have we learned well you know i i think maybe there was some little bit of inkling of hope i'd seen here and there that maybe uh you know a cody ware or or somebody could put it into the main event of the clash sneak their went nope they were out to lunch those those ship boxes are still ship boxes still out to lunch uh so, you know, no, it doesn't look like they've caught up at all. If anything, they've actually fallen behind more. And I think that tends to happen as you make progress in a new car. The bigger teams figure it out sooner. So they actually should be less parity as time goes on. Now, I don't think the Cody Wares in the world will be like totally out to lunch for every race, but certain races, I think so. And Daytona is not going to be one of them though. I mean, Daytona, they can definitely hang with the draft still, but uh, I think that was the first thing I noticed. Other than that, I don't know about you, Jordan. I didn't really take away a whole lot from it. Uh, I think it's pretty notable, you know, that Bubba was right up there up front and uh, Ryan priest is going to do Ryan priest things at these short flats where he's, that's his bread and butter. So 
probably those are the main things we would take note of is just the fact that 2311 is and, and Bubba Wallace, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. And, uh, you know, even Ryan Priest at, at tracks like Martinsville could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was going to be my main thing was, you know, obviously you can't, we're not going to say you're trying to predict a season based on a quarter mile <laughs> exhibition race, but the fact that Toyota was so strong, I think is a very good sign for Joe Gibbs racing in 2311. Um, and then Ryan Priest, yeah, like, like we talked about last week's episode, two, two weeks ago's episode, um, I really think Stuart Haas Racing is going to have a good year this year, and and that kind of gave me a little bit more confidence in that. Obviously, Ryan Priest is uh, he's a very talented driver on these short tracks, and and it was nice to see them. I mean, legitimately competing for a win, like mm-hmm. that wasn't um, a fluke or anything. I don't think, but no, Bubba Wallace, yeah, I I really wanted Bubba to win. Um, he had uh, he had one of the best cars all weekend. You know, oh, yeah. I think I think it was him and Truex all weekend um, when it came to practice and everything else. So, but yeah, yeah, I had him. I had him to win the race, and I had him top Toyota. And you know, feel good about yeah. both of those bets, even though they lost. Yeah, he did get dumped by. Was it Austin Dillon that dumped him? Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel good so. about every bet. Like Alex Bowman was right up there in the top three for pretty much the whole mm-hmm. race. Uh, at worst, like in the top five, William Byron was hanging out in the top five for the whole race up until the very end. Uh, so. Even though I went one for four on my my bets, I feel great about them. I I feel very very pleased with how I, you know, limited my exposure in the clash because we didn't really know what to expect, but still ended up turning a profit. So um, that's a great start to the year. I know I only made point one three units, but that's still a six point one percent ROI, six point two percent ROI, which. You wouldn't sneeze at a 6.2% ROI over a whole season. So uh, I'm right. not going to sneeze at it over one race. I'm, I'm very happy with that. And like you said, you hit that Martin Truex Jr. 8-1. to one, So big props to you there, Jordan. And you know what was crazy? He was the Jordan Jinx. He was my yeah. first bet. My my algorithm had him second. Um, and I was like, why, why is he 8-1? to one? You know, everything I saw, there's no reason that he should have been 8-1. to one. So like I said, felt really good to to hit that uh, hit that win to start out the year before before the official start to the year. But anything else you, you, you got from the clash? No. I, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it. It's one race and it's a really oddball track. Brand new asphalt that they lay down, you know, like it's it's not comparable to anything. Even Martinsville, you know, quarter or a half mile short flat track, it's got an old surface there and it's got concrete in the corners, so you can't even really compare it to Martinsville. Uh, I know stylistically there's some similarities so there 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 is you know not a complete they're not complete polar opposites or anything uh but uh even then you can't totally use it to to prep for martinsville other than i do think ryan priest is going to be good at martinsville Mm -hmm. yeah all right before we dive fully into the atona 500 which i know we're both salivating at the mouth to do we have a new segment so we're going to go ahead and do that all right, this new segment is called Wine About It, and it's presented by Louisville Winery, which is located in Louisville, Ohio. Now, if you're a frequent listener of this podcast, you may know that Nick and I like to tell things like they are. We don't like to shy away from controversy. Some people even call us complainers at times. So with this new segment, we're going to take some time each episode to find something to whine about while enjoying some delicious wine from Louisville. Um, this all came together last minute, so we won't be enjoying that wine today. 
But we do have some topics to discuss. So, Nick, what's what's on your mind this week on to whine about? Yeah, so I definitely have something to whine about. Uh, and for me, you know, the new season's starting. We should be excited about betting. I mean, I am. I'm excited about betting. But when I look at what's available right now, it, there's not a lot out there. And specifically the one thing I want to pick on, BetMGM. Their top 10 odds are completely unbettable. Like, <laughs> actually completely unbettable. The leaders, the, the, the guys that are the favorites, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, all three of them are minus 300 for a top 10. Minus 300. That means their implied odds to finish in the top 10 are 75%. You know what? No driver has a long-term average above, like, 30% in terms of like DNF rates. So there's no way anybody's ever going to, uh, you know, stay, uh, be good enough at super speedways to finish inside the top 10 at a 75% rate because you're going to DNF a third of the time at least. So, uh, you know, and then even when you don't DNF, you still have to finish in the top 10 every single time. So it, these are just completely unbettable odds. And, you know, even looking down the field, they have... Most of the field listed in minus odds. There's only a handful of drivers, maybe about a third of the field, that's listed in plus odds. And it's just, it's a completely unbettable market here from BetMGM. Don't, do not bet top tens at BetMGM. Just don't do it. Shop around as always, and you can definitely find some top ten value. There is value out there, but it's not with BetMGM this week. No, and and like with sports betting becoming more openly legal and, and more states adopting it you'd think that these books would get a little bit more competitive but mgm i feel like is always lacking uh kind of like caesars is with their outright bets um so right there with you i i honestly i rarely even open up mgm's app like unless someone tells me hey this is great value over here i'm i'm not even touching it and i'm kind of going to you know piggyback off of you i'm i'm a little i'm not a little disappointed i'm very disappointed um at the offerings of the not only sports books but also DFS. I thought the demand last year for NASCAR, um, you know, on DraftKings and and in the sports betting world, I figured would have them paying a little bit more attention, putting a little bit more time into um, different odds, different offerings, and even the contests on DraftKings. You know what? The, the Millie Maker, awesome. We have a we have a NASCAR Millie Maker once again. It's the exact same payout structure and size as last year. There is no reason. NASCAR, for the majority of the season last year, always filled DraftKings contests. There is no reason for these contests to be the same. You have to assume, like, if, if you look at NFL, if NFL fills their contest every single week, do you think that they're going to get this or stay the same or get smaller? Absolutely not. So why can't NASCAR do it? I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. And and as far as you know, sportsbooks offerings, it's the week of the Daytona 500. I understand we're coming off the Super Bowl. Sportsbooks just had like I mean Caesars or William Hill and Nevada is still down from the amount of volume. I think I saw Ravel tweet that you know FanDuel was taking fifty thousand bets a minute. On Super Bowl Sunday at their peak, I understand it's busy, but DraftKings doesn't even have poll odds up. You know, people are celebrating. I've seen, I've probably seen like eight tweets today um, talking about Caesars and oh, I can't believe they're offering all this for um, NASCAR. Yeah, they're offering more than most sports books. They're offering a lot of props. They're offering top tens, top fives. You know, everything. 
It's the exact same stuff they offered last year. They're offering nothing new except except they actually added qualifying, which other books offered last year. So I am just I, I'm disappointed at uh, at the start of this year already. With um, you know even going back to the clash, I feel like sportsbooks missed out on on a lot. So yeah, and then uh, speaking of, I'm gonna, this is my second part of my wine. Like I I came prepared tonight <laughs> to wine. I love it. Um, I am sick of mid race concerts. The Clash. I don't care what type of music is playing. You can put whatever. I, that's not like that's what most people bitch about with these concerts. It's the fact that the crowds are so dead. There is the, the I felt so bad for the camera guys trying. I, I know they're just like trying to find someone with a pulse in that crowd, and they couldn't find them during the Clash. It's yeah. just like when what's his name uh, did the in like in the middle of the crowd. Um, concert at, i think it was at texas the all-star race a few years ago like it, it just stop doing it stop trying mm. to do this people go to a racetrack to watch a fucking race they don't sit there to watch a concert like just read the route like i get why they do it they're trying to bring more people into it and i hope it works for them but man it's such a bad look on tv when you look at these crowds and it's just like a uh, not a funeral home but a uh old folks home yeah. retirement home I mean, it's just, yeah. So I want to uh, I want to jump back onto this, uh, you know, Caesar Sportsbooks offerings and stuff because you're right. They're, they're basically not any offering anything new. One thing I was really hoping for, and I thought would happen, and maybe it got um, nerfed because of the problems with William Hill, right? Because it's William Hill Caesars. Uh, but William Hill. For the brief moment that they were up during the Super Bowl and then they had posted props for the Daytona 500, they had over-under finishing position for a few drivers, and I mm -hmm. thought that was going to translate over to Caesars. Not there. I really want over-under finishing position. That is my favorite NASCAR bet uh, as outside of like outrights and top manufacturers. And Speaking of top manufacturer, DraftKings still doesn't even have top manufacturer up. Right, they have winning manufacturer, but they don't have top manufacturer, and it's just it's incredibly poor offering there as well. It's a complete total disappointment. Uh, points bet wasn't even up today with NASCAR odds. Like they they had them yesterday, and they took them down today, and just didn't. They don't have Daytona 500 odds today. What is yeah. going on in this world where NASCAR is just on the back burner right now on everybody's minds with the Daytona 500 just five days away? Yeah, it it, it makes no sense. Like, and especially, like I said, after last year and how how much demand there was last year and how much growth there was last year mm -hmm. in this market, it, it makes no sense to me. But, but yeah. So those are our topics that we whined about this week. Let us know your thoughts on this segment. Like I said, next week we, we should have wine in hand to try. Uh, Louverbella Winery does have four different brands. Uh if you try the Purple Rain, which I highly suggest, it's my absolute favorite. It is the best wine you'll ever have. I say that with confidence. Um, you can find these, find this wine in stores such as Kroger, Meyer, Walmart, several states including North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia, Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia. And Georgia. Trust me when you say you will not regret trying this wine. And thanks to them, you get to hear me and Nick complain each and every week. All right. On to the Daytona 500, your, one of your favorite races, one of everyone's favorite races. I mean, it gets our season started. It's a great American race. It's the Super Bowl of NASCAR, even though it's the first race of the season. And the best part about this is, I think, 
is the randomness. The, you know, practice doesn't matter this week. Where someone starts doesn't matter this week. It is just an insane race to watch, to try to bet on, uh, to play DFS with. This is one of the biggest sweats in DFS all year. You can go from winning like you with 12 laps to go last year, a million dollars to winning. I don't want to say nothing, but significant negative 33% ROI (laughs) (laughs) or vice versa. Like the same thing could happen with within one lap. All it takes is one lap. Like these races are crazy. Um, if, If you, if you've never had a NASCAR sweat, on DraftKings, this is the race I mean, to do it. Literally speaking of one lap, the 2016 Daytona 500, I got invited by DraftKings to attend the race because I was such a high volume player in 2015. So they sent me the 2016 race on their dime, hot pass, and everything. I was in mm-hmm. the pits uh, watching the race with Steven Young, Stevie TPFL. Um, and the race finishes, and I look down at my DraftKings app, and I'm winning. I run over Stevie. I'm like, Stevie, I won the damn thing. And as I'm running over him and showing him, it refreshes because I forget that because I'm there live, I'm like a little bit ahead of the app. And one lap dropped me from first, a tied place, first place with uh, uh, another DFS player called Aaron Jones, not the NFL player, but uh, a DFS player, Aaron Jones. And uh, so he and I were tied for first, winning $200,000. All of a sudden, dropped to eighth, winning like twenty, thirty thousand bucks, something like that. Oh, so, man, one of those things, like you said, one lap—that's all it takes—and you can have these monstrous swings. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're gonna get we're gonna get pretty deep here into talking about DFS because that is your absolute bread and butter when it comes to DraftKings. Oh, yeah. Is these type of tracks? You are, you you understand the strategy completely. I love picking your brain for it. Before we get there, though, speaking of Stevie TPFL, Stephen Young. He had a good question. You know, I, I always tweet out if anybody has any questions for us for these episodes. What is the best beer and food combination to watch the Daytona 500? That is an excellent question, and I always love Tecate, my favorite beer. Uh, so I'm going to say if you like a light beer, I'm going to go with Tecate. And I think most people, when you're watching the Daytona 500, you don't want to have like strong beers. You don't want to be chugging Guinnesses or things like that because you're just not going to remember the end. Now, I've definitely done that before. I remember PJ Walsh, me, uh, we were watching one of the Daytona 500s in Vegas. I know me and him have hung out for races before. We definitely don't want to be chugging Guinnesses for these races. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to go on the lighter side, and I love a good Mexican beer. Uh, So get a Tecate, throw a lime in it, and then – uh, as far as the food, I'm not really picky, but I love making burgers and I make a killer Mexican burger. So what I do instead of um, using breadcrumbs for the binding for the meat, right? So you like, you'll, you'll get like your beef and you'll throw maybe um, some, some things in with the beef and mix it all up. Well, instead of using breadcrumbs to bind it all ever all together, I'll take tortilla chips and crush them down to like breadcrumb mm. consistency and use it as the binding. And then nice. I'll have like salsa and avocado and make like a Mexican burger. So a Mexican hamburger with a Tecate with lime. I love it. That's, that's so good. And Ooh. it's, Probably not on people's radar, so that's why I wanted to throw it out there as a little neat trick. Yeah, I've uh, I've recently, after hanging out with you, you know, however many times I've I've uh, I started drinking Tecate, you know, definitely when I hit the Mexican restaurant in town, and I actually found it. And so, like, there's like one place within 
an hour of me that has Tecate and it's some just random carry out. So I, I did go and get some the other week, but if I'm drinking, you know, if I'm sitting there watching the race, I'm drinking Coors Light. That's, that's my go-to right now. Yep. Um, You're drinking it right now. I have a uh, Coors heavy. Yeah. Uh, food wise though, I'm, I'm like you, I'm not, I'm not super picky. Like you get, you put pizza in front of me, I'm going to eat it. You put wings yeah. in front of me, I'm going to eat exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's, I, I feel like it's, uh, uh, I, I think this year though, I think I'm going to go with tacos. Like I'm going to, I'm just, you got me on the Mexican kick now yeah, in my yeah, head. Absolutely. So, so tacos and beer, tacos. man, and just sit there and, and enjoy this race. And I will say yeah. after you do win all the money though, cap it off with a nice Luva Bella wine, because uh, that's what I, so when I won the clash in back to back years, after I, you know, after the the things were finalized and I had my 35,000, 40,000, whatever it was from winning the clash. Cause remember the clash used to be at Daytona back in the day. I yeah. won the 2016 and 2017 clashes back to back and 2016 I had the top three lineups, 2017 I had top five lineups. Uh, I, I chugged a bottle of wine after both of those. So save That's the Luvabella awesome. <laughs> wine for after your big million dollar payday. If you win the millionaire maker, uh, just, you know, sucks to have to pay those taxes yeah i love that argument from people <laughs> it's so funny yeah, what about those taxes what about the taxes whatever man i'll take I, the money that even with the taxes exactly yeah i'm i'm more than happy to to pay taxes every year because of my DraftKings. like yeah exactly that's fine but no i'm a. I don't know if i could chug wine after a day like that but what i could do is uh stone cold steve austin some beers to my face there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah, I think I think the Luvabella wine chug is maybe more. Well, first of all, you should enjoy it slower. But second of all, if you are going to chug it, it's probably better for it to be on a short race like the Clash, where you haven't built up a bunch of already drunkenness ahead of time. Exactly. Three. Oh, baby. Here we go. I'm almost uh, there. I'm almost there. Yeah. Um. Another good question that we had come in, uh, and I know this is a topic that you've hit on before. And you have the data to back this up. That's why I love seeing this question come in. A driver's age where they reach their peak performance seems to be a bigger topic this offseason, obviously, because we have guys like Kevin Harvick who's getting older, Truex getting older, Hamlin's getting older. How much stock do you put into that? Uh, I do. I put stock into it because it's a real thing. I mean, we see decline. Kevin Harvick is not the Kevin Harvick he was two years ago when he won nine, you know, had nine wins. Uh, we even started to see that decline in his playoff year where he all, almost, or wait, no, he didn't make the final four. So um, we started to see it. Yeah, he got two wins last year, which was awesome for him. Um, very, very oh, happy so that he was able to do it. Yeah, yeah. Very happy that he was able to do that. And, uh, you know, because they started out the year kind of still like the previous year where he won nothing and, and they were just having a rough year. Stuart Haas Racing kind of fell off. They built it back up. So I, you know, I definitely think there's stuff there. I mean, we see Martin Truex Jr. didn't win a race last year. He's not exactly on the young side. Kyle Busch, not exactly on the young side of the age curve. Denny Hamlin, even then, last year only won, what was it, two or three races, something like that. So uh, it's it's getting to the point where these guys who are at their peak aren't winning eight, six, seven, five, nine races. They're winning zero to three. And uh, I think it's just it, part of it could be a product of the car as well, of course, with all the parody mm-hmm. that is is part of this car. But part of it is absolutely an age curve. I mean, there's there's trends that show this. Uh, the age curve 
optimal is from about 28 to 36. There's like a, a still a little step down to about 38 where you're still pretty good. And then once you go beyond 38, it tends to decline every year. Now that's not the same age curve for every driver. Every driver is different, but that's just like the average age curve. Each individual driver is going to fall off at their own point in time. And it's a little bit of survivability, survivor bias, um, because, you know, once a driver falls off, he's just going to retire typically. Uh, there's very, very few examples of like drivers that just fall off a cliff and then drive another 15 years. I mean, the ones that do weren't very good anyway, but you're not going to see Jimmy Johnson. All of a sudden, he, he's only winning one or two races a year. You're, he's not He's not still racing three years later after his retirement, right? Like every year. Uh, you're not seeing that with with other examples of that as well. So a little bit of survivorship bias, but uh, 28 to 36 kind of seems to be the main age curve. And it's a real thing. We get older. I'm not as good as I once was at you know, doing my speed run on my video games. Uh, I can already feel like I'm not as good just even pressing buttons on a controller you know so mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where we we don't get younger we get older and there's a point where it's good to get older because you, you build experience you sharpen your skills but then the aging hits and it's different for everyone but at some point it'll hit everyone and i think i think another thing and why this is is such a big topic right now is because of the current state of the young guns in NASCAR, we went through a pretty long period of time where there was maybe one, maybe two over like a five-year stretch of actually good drivers. Now, all of a sudden, there is a ton of good, very young drivers. Yes. Like, I would, I would venture to say that right now is, like, skill-wise, is the most leaning toward young, like, under 26 than I've ever seen in NASCAR. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when that crop of like Gordon, Stewart, Johnson all retired, um, Kenseth, I think when they were coming in and young, that there was maybe that similar feeling. But you're right. I think since then, it's it's been, there's been a few here or there, but it's not as much as we're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, and, and it's like, there's a, there's a bunch of like really talented guys that you don't even think of when you say young guns like Chase Briscoe. Oh yeah, very oh, talented. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, the the big name, even Eric Jones. We talked about him a couple weeks ago and how young he actually is. Um, just there's yeah, so two, much two years younger than here. Chase Briscoe, and um, you're right. It's just it's an absolutely incredible group of drivers. I'm trying to look up uh, Ryan Priest. What's his age? Because He's 32, so he's been around a while, but uh, you know he's right in the middle of his age curve. Uh, and I think having already run in Cup before for three years, remember he's he's got three years of Cup experience with JTG JTG Doherty last year. Yeah. Uh, he didn't run full time, but he's back this year. I mean, he could be a surprise at age 32, right in the middle of that peak age curve. So um, it's just going to be an incredible year. You're right, and it's the old veterans are the ones the ones that are still around are some of the all-time greats. Truex, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin. We have to be real. All of those guys are all-time greats within the top 10% of NASCAR drivers ever. And those are the guys, those are the of the old guys. Those are the ones still sticking around along with Eric Almarola. Um <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know, then you got the young crop and it's like it's so cool. It's just it's a really good time to be a NASCAR fan. Yeah. Brad Keselowski too. 
Yes, Brad Keselowski. Absolutely can't yeah. forget him. That's that's an oversight on my part. But yeah, you're definitely yeah. right. And then we have Joey Logano, like in his prime, in his prime. Um, mm-hmm. Already won two championships. Very good argument to be made that he will finish out his career uh, in the top five in all-time championship wins. Which is it's crazy to think about because you remember all the hype that Joey Logano had when he was oh, yeah. in sliced bread, eighteen years old, oh, silver yeah. spoon, and then he came in and he he was not good with Gibbs, and no. everyone's like, you know, this is just this is like completely overrated. And now I feel like because he was so hyped up like that and how he didn't perform, even now with his two championships and his constant, like he wins every year. You can count on him yes. for like at least two wins every single year. People still don't put him in that top tier category, which I, I I agree, and and he is, he absolutely is, and I'm not a fan. I'm people know if you've been listening, I'm not a Joey Logano fan. Absolutely a top tier driver. He's not the most elite. He's not the guy that's going to win ten a year. He's not the mm-hmm. guy that's going to knock your socks off. We've seen Hamlin do it. We've seen Harvick do it. We've seen Jeff Gordon do it. We've seen Jimmy Johnson do it. Right? Like we see these guys win five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten races a year. That's not Joey Logano, but he's going to win you his two to five, uh, occasionally a little bit more, and just be Mr. Consistency in a way that uh, is just at such an elite level, an underrated elite level. Uh, He's like, to me, he's like a little bit better version of Mark Martin. I I understand that analogy. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the big thing is, and and it's a it's a reason I always mention this as well, like because um, I'm I typically tend to go heavier on Penske in DFS, and it's won me a lot of money. Yes, because Logano does not dominate, and he goes under owned because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at his lap led totals each year. He's never he's cracked a thousand laps led once, and it was 2015 when he won six races. Yeah, that was just like big year. And you look at, like, you go back to 2021, Kyle Larson, he won 10 races. He led 2,500 laps, mm-hmm. okay? Joey Logano has not led 2,500 laps in the last three years combined. <laughs> like, this is how much he does not dominate. But at the same time, he's, he's a two-time champion. He's finished in the top four, uh, one, two, three, four of the last seven years. I mean... He's he, he has to be one of the most underrated. Like he goes from being overrated to now, I think underrated. Absolutely, hundred percent agree. Multiple time champion. It's yeah, it's, and a lot of that. A lot of that comes from experience. He's he's still aggressive. We know that. I mean, we saw it in the clash. He's a, still aggressive as hell. But I think he's been a little smarter with his aggression since the Matt Kenseth incident um, in 2015. Yeah. And I think he's been a lot smarter with his aggression, and he's matured. It's shown. And he's become absolutely, again, one of the all-time greats of NASCAR, in that, arguably in the top 10% of all drivers all time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I know it's we're kind of going off the age curve here but the point is he's literally right in the middle of the peak of his age curve at age what like 32 or something like that Mm -hmm. uh that also reminds me i saw a tweet i think it was like last week and uh it was uh i forget who it was from but it was talking about their favorite nascar bet for win totals this year and it was logano under three and a half and I'm sitting there thinking, when I first saw it, I didn't read the whole tweet. And I was like, you know, I could see him getting to four. 
I'm not like super confident. But then there's this like stat, and this and this doesn't like sway me even more to bet it. Like I understand um, trends and everything else. Trans, the trans. <laughs> but the trend is the last driver to match their win total or beat it was Jimmy Johnson in 2009. Everyone else since then has gone under on their mm-hmm. expected win total, which is crazy. But then I pulled the numbers since then. There's only one driver that had that won a championship with less than five wins, and it was Joey Logano in 2018 yeah. when he won three times, just like last year when he won three times. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I think he won four, right? Because the championship was number four. I was just about to say, I think he won four. But either yep. then, it's still under five, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> well, and and here's the other thing. So I'm going to throw out a little, I, I wouldn't say an answer to that question, but as far as favorite win total, uh, I don't know if it's still up, but I gave this out in the Running Hot podcast. Daniel Suarez under half a win plus 130. Sign me up for that all fucking day. Uh, you, you don't think I'm he's great. I don't think he's great. And the only reason he won last year was because it was at a road course. Uh, remember, he dominated Coda, and then he got put back into the field because they pitted. They stayed out at the end of the first stage, went back in the field, got in a wreck. Dominated uh, Sonoma, but there were several dominators at Sonoma that race. And actually, Elliott and Larson were probably the two best, had terrible strategies. And then he still had to compete with Busher and Harvick and McDowell, who were all very good. But after that, Trackhouse Racing... They didn't fall off at road courses, but they weren't dominant like they were in the first two road course races of the year. And other teams made gains, especially Reddick, especially Chase Elliott, Larson. I mean, those guys made gains. Uh, even Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell uh, made some gains. So I just don't see Daniel Suarez winning a road course. And he's not very dominant anywhere else. He led some laps at one of the Vegas races, at Michigan, at the 600. But those were all between 30 and 40 laps, uh, which is not like true dominator. So it's not that he can't. I'm just not betting on it to happen. So I'm taking the no side at plus money. I actually am favored to not win a race this year. Um, I, At plus 130, I like that. I do. Um, You know, obviously, super speedways, anything can happen. But do you also see... Okay, you you said that Suarez, you like the under on that. Do you think Trackhouse as a whole regresses? Do you think Ross Chastain has less speed this year? Or no. are you just, okay. I, I mean, and I, again, I hate using the Clash as an example, but Chastain made his way up forward there in the Clash a little bit. Um, he became a little bit of a force, not force to be reckoned with, but a little bit of like a, hey, I'm here. You know, and we saw him getting into it with uh, Danny Hamlin again, of all people. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, that was awesome. <laughs> that was ridiculous. And, and the funny thing is, Denny wasn't even mad. He was like, that's just a product of this racing. Um, so k- kudos to Denny on yeah. that. But uh, I don't necessarily think, you know, Chastain's going to fall off in speed. I don't even necessarily think Suarez is going to fall off in speed. I just think Suarez probably hit closer to the peak of his range of outcomes last year with one win. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he was probably his median win is zero. And so uh, if, if last year repeats itself exactly in terms of track house speed, I still think he's favored for zero wins versus one win. So I'll take the plus money on it. Not to mention like as, as far as falling off speed, I do feel like track house. And, and we talked about this the first episode. I feel like track house fell off in the playoffs, which 
Which is funny a, considering Ross finished second, you know, in the championship. And I know that's, that's the, really that's good the in the playoffs. Like, I, and maybe it was just like my not fully paying attention brain, but I felt like they lack, like they lack speed. By the way, I'm trying to pull up Caesars right now uh, to get that, see if that win totals up, and just nothing's loading. Like my frustration was being affected by the uh, the William Hill outage. Okay, they're they got it now. Oh shit. Um, Win totals. Yeah. Let's see. NASCAR race season wins. Future bets, which is another thing about Caesars. It's a very clunky menu. It is very hard to Ty Gibbs. One and a half is still insane yeah, to me. There's Daniel Suarez is now plus 120. So it was plus 130 last week. It's down to plus 120 now. Uh, so I guess people have hit the under half win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I mean, I'm not going to go crazy on it, but if I'm going to bet anything, I, I don't like any win totals really at all. Uh, yeah. That was the only Kevin, one I gave out. Kevin Harvick over one and a half plus one twenty, kind of catching my eye there. But mm. yeah, there's other, just uh, not got any other just, questions here. Um. Let me see. There was one really good one that I so uh, it, before I get to this this next question because it talks about specifically building lineups and stuff yep. for DFS. Um, Ryan Stevens with win win the race. I know you kind of you know you responded to him everything or earlier today. I thought it was interesting because he was uh, he, you know he pulled up the last however many Daytona 500s where the pole winner finished uh, compared to where the winner started and what I noticed like he was pointing out where the pole pole sitter finished and yeah. you know um, but this guy puts out a ton of good content as yes. far as Twitter I don't I don't subscribe to his stuff um, yet you know like I said you should always consume everybody's content I support Absolutely. pretty much everybody out there but. Um, I like his stuff always shows up on my feed and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. usually yeah. like favorite or like most of it because it's so good. But um, you know, the trend of pole sitters over the last few years, but what I noticed in that chart was where the winner started. Um, you know, looking back at the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So the last 10 Daytona 500s, the winner has started 14th or better eight times, 11th or better seven times. And I think this is a, a decent trend to pay attention to um, because it deals directly with making DFS lineups. Yes. And, you know, yes, you always have to go for that place differential. And, and I'll, I'll talk about the the optimals from super speedways last year and, and where people started and everything else. And, and, you know, how even the winners get outscored by people that finished 10th because they started 30th. But um, I think this makes a lot of sense because when you, when you, realize how the Daytona 500 starting lineup is set. It is based off of the results of the qualifying dual races on what will be Thursday night this year. Yes. The people that tend to run well might not win that race, but they're going to finish in the top three, four, five positions, Mm -hmm. which directly correlates to the winner starting where they have over the last 10 years of the Daytona 500. Yep. 
And you know, it, it's that 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 starting range right there, the fifth through fourteenth. That's the toughest range in DFS when it comes to Daytona because it's not comfortable to pick those guys, especially multiple of them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but they it, are the best right cars there. typically. They are typically the best cars, and you just have to pick the right one. And yeah. it's you know we're going to get into to DFS line of construction and everything else. But I thought that was a very very interesting. Um, uh, trend or or things that have happened over the last ten years, but you know, as you mentioned, uh, the pole sitter, you know, and and not doing well. It is such a small, small sample size that I agree with you. I, I don't think we can look into that too much. Now, Hendrick has had a absolute chokehold on qualifying at Daytona over the last hundred percent. Yeah, I mean. What, what is it? Has it been eight years now? I mean, we're going Seven back the last to eight, I think. Like, we're going back to the Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon days. Like, they just bring the best qualifying cars. Now, here's the thing, and I got a couple of DMs about this, you know, because Denny Hamlin made the comment about Ford and how he thinks that they have an aerodynamic advantage. I said the same thing last year. I thought Ford was a little bit faster racing. Now, there's, a, in my opinion, and what have I, what I've noticed. Ever since I've done this, there's a complete difference, especially at Daytona, especially this week, this opening race. Yep. There's a complete difference between having speed and qualifying and having speed in the race. Yes. Which is for DFS, like for true NASCAR fans and true DFS players, it goes against what you true, what you're used to because pole sitter typically on a race weekend and everybody started up front. Those are going to be the guys to beat. That's not how it is with Daytona. Right. You want that car to race well. You don't want it to just throw down a good lap. And I, you know, these teams are obviously gunning to get the pole to, to start up front. Hendrick has to, like, they're just swinging their nuts at this point saying, come out and beat us because you know what? You get all the press then of starting up front. Now, that, that obviously, I, I can't remember the last time Hendrick won a Daytona 500, but, and it could have been like three years ago, and I'm just completely brain farting <laughs> this, but. I I can't remember when the last time not only did they not win but when they were actually competitive. I guess Dale Jr. Right? Yeah. Which I mean, that's a cheat code in itself. I, yeah, exactly. He's his own cheat code. Um, and I don't. I'm I'm just guessing because I actually don't have that up in front of me. But that would be my best guess as far as like the last Daytona. I have to look this up now. From Hendrick. Uh, but I definitely remember Dale Jr. winning. Uh, I think it was like. 15 or 16. Uh, it, it was before I moved to Vegas. I was in North Carolina. So I think it was 2015. He might've won because 16 20, was Denny Hamlin. 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah. And before that, Jimmy Johnson won. Yeah. Okay. So 13 was Jimmy Johnson. 14 was, was junior. But mm. then, cause I remember 16 was, was Denny Hamlin. Cause that was the race I was at where he beat Truex by an inch. Uh, and I don't remember. Who oh, won that was 15. such a good race. Finish. I mean, as much as I hated Denny Hamlin at the time, that was such a good finish. It was a great finish. It was a great race because that was like the second year of NASCAR DFS. And Dale Jr. was like the pole, not the pole center. I think he started third or something like that. And he was like 38% owned in the big GPP. So I just was like, hey, I'm playing like 5% junior. And he crashed yeah. like early in the race. So, and that's that's my favorite part of um, DraftKings and Daytona because last year 
We saw Kyle Larson and I believe Bowman on the yeah. front row. And those two okay. dudes never lead at Daytona. They combined for over 25% of ownership in the big, the millionaire maker. That's ridiculous. Kyle Larson on the pole was, was almost 18%. Absolutely insane. I was going through the numbers and using the current DraftKings scoring format since they went to a 40 car field in 2016. Uh, no starter on the first two rows, one, two, three, four, as well as I believe it was six. I can't, I don't remember the other number, but like five definitely was, but it was either six or seven, like five of the top seven and all the top four have not cracked 46, 47 DraftKings points, which is important because every single year, the top six have scored at least 47 DraftKings points. Uh, mm-hmm. And the top six is going to be your winning lineup because salaries don't matter for Daytona. Um, and, let's and, be real. And nobody, it never nobody's going nobody's to get the optimal lineup. Exactly. So it, it, salaries don't matter, but you need at least like if, to feel good. You want to have at least 47 DraftKings points minimum from your drivers. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's some years where there's nine drivers that crack 47 and you need six of those nine. Nice to uh, nice, you know, to, to make the optimal lineup. Well, that's never come from the first two rows ever in the 40 car era at Daytona. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that says all you need to know. I, I threw in, I can't remember how many lineups I threw in last year. I go 0% front row zero. I don't care if I get burned because a front row driver goes out there and dominates the race. I'm going to take that risk 110 times out of hundred. I think especially I, now, especially now what we're seeing with this car, man, like, I can't like if you're gonna learn anything from us when it comes to DFS, do not pick the do not pick the pole sitter for sure, and do not I do not pick second. No, especially if you're only throwing in however many lineups. If you are throwing in 500 lineups, yes, you you should probably have maybe like I, I would say I, I personally had, I had three percent total of the front three starters uh, in my 500 lineups last year. I had three percent. And it was none, none on the first row. It was whoever started third, I think it was. And I think I yes. just completely faded fourth. Yeah, I think I completely faded fourth. Uh, Busher. Busher and so, yeah. yeah, so I had 3%, and it was all Kez in third place starter. Which and, know, and, he, he, and he did dominate that race for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. You know, he was he was 17, almost 18% owned. Mm-hmm. But when we look at you, so, so you mentioned that magic number of 47 for DraftKings. So we look at the the super sweeter races last year. The first three, so Daytona 500, Talladega 1, and Daytona 2, which was a shit show because of the rain. We had 10 drivers in each of those races score at least 47. There might be more in Talladega. I I just have the top 10 on me right now. Right, right. But in Talladega 1 and Daytona 2, the top 10 scoring drivers in those races scored at least 50. The top mm-hmm. 10 in the Daytona 500 scored 47. Here's the thing. Daytona 500, we had Ryan Blaney and Austin Cindric make the optimal starting 7th and 5th. Talladega, the optimal did not have anybody starting better than 12th, which was Kyle Busch, who finished 3rd. Daytona 2, the shit show, best, highest starting driver was Austin Dillon starting 21st. He won the race. Mm-hmm. Optimal lineup at the second Talladega race, which I haven't mentioned yet, 
Uh, the only guy starting better than 16th was Ross Chastain, who started sixth and finished fourth. Yeah. And like you said, you need to leave salary on the table. I don't know if there's a rule that you follow when it comes to building lineups that you don't go over a certain amount, but optimal for the Daytona 500 last year used 45.9. Optimal for Daytona 2 used 31.2. But here's one for you. Optimal for Talladega 1. Perfect 50,000. Yeah, that's very, very, very rare. That is, that is, I would venture to guess that we have never seen that before and we'll never see it again. We it definitely was the first time in super speedway history. A hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent positive of that because uh, I've kept track of that before. And you, you asked about, do I set a rule? Yeah, I actually do set a rule. I set a rule to not have uh, I, it's different. I might change it up. It might be 49,500 or less or 49,700 mm-hmm. or less or whatever, you know, I don't want to cram in those top couple dollar salaries, 50,000, 49,9, 49,8, et cetera, because especially, especially for the Daytona 500 when you get all the casual players, because they will fill it up. And I don't want duplicates. And the chance of one of those lineups hitting anyway is so low. Like we said, one time it's ever happened. I bet that's the first time it's ever happened where somebody's been in the 49,000 range or at least 49,5. I would bet that's yeah. the first time ever. Um, yeah. But the whole point is it happens so rarely that when it does, if you're splitting it with 15 other people, it makes it not worth it anyway. I mean, I guess for a million dollars, sure. But I'd rather just send my bullets elsewhere and, uh, you know, kind of napalm the field uh, from 49,500 and below. So that's that's kind of what I try to do when I'm building lineups. And, you know, last year I did 500 Lineups. I max entered a 150. I max entered another 150. Max entered another 150, and then I had like 50 lineups elsewhere or something like that. I don't remember the exact distributions, but I think I ended up with about 500 lineups. I don't know if my plans do the exact same this year. Uh, I actually have given very little thought to DFS as far as like what my plan is, just because I've been so consumed. As right, this is my first full time. I just came off my first full time year at Action Network. And so I hadn't gone through the full NFL gauntlet this time last year uh, with action. I was a brand new hire February 1st last year at action. So I basically only had the Super Bowl as my NFL last year for the company. So I'm coming off a full NFL season gauntlet. And and so I just haven't like mentally checked into – I'm totally there on betting. But as far as DFS, I haven't like mentally checked into like what my plan is for DFS – uh, obviously I'm still way there on the theory and, and, and everything. I mean, that's, this is, I, Daytona is my favorite. Daytona is my, I mean, I've won the clash twice. The, the main event slate for the clash twice. I nearly won the main event slate for the Daytona 500 itself, uh, once. And then I guess last year, almost ish, you know, I was right up there. I was, I was literally leading the Millie maker with 12 laps to go. So it's this is my bread and butter. This is what I love. And the only reason I play DFS these days is for these super speedways because I live in Nevada. It's not a DFS state. So I have to go out of state to play and it's not worth my time. It used to be back in 2018. It used to be because that was what I did full time was DFS. I didn't have the betting side of things. And um, I had an absolute smash year in 2018. Nice, large six figure profit that year. But uh now I've basically just like 
I don't need to go twice a week, drive to California to play DFS, right? Cause I have to go once to enter contests and I have to go back and enter lineups or, or edit lineups because normally they say you can edit lineups if you enter in one, in a non-legal state uh, and then you can edit them back or you, sorry, enter it in the legal state and you can edit them in a non-legal state, but they changed that even after yeah. 2018. So it would require me going probably twice a week. I guess the Daytona 500 would be the lone exception because qualifying is so much ahead. You know, the duels are so much several days ahead of the race. But other than that, I mean, I'd have to, uh, I'd either have to go early in the week and enter, or if I wanted to just make one trip a week, I'd have to go after practice qualifying on Saturday and that, but I still have to put out content. It's so I, I, yeah. it sucks. Like so, it's just not worth it. So I pretty much just go for the super speedway events, and that's it these days. But uh, I, I just I'm so ready for betting and for DFS. I'm like I don't know if I'll do 500 lineups this time or not. But you know, and the, that's the other thing. Like the Millie Maker is a losing proposition. Your yes. long term EV, even if you're the best NASCAR DFS player in the world, your long term EV for the Millie Maker is negative. But some of us do it because it's a fun. B, we probably have a better shot than anybody else to win it. And C, how cool would it be to have a million dollars, right? So that's why I did. I lost, I had negative 33% ROI last year, but I feel amazing about my process. I feel amazing about uh, everything that I did in last year's Daytona 500 for DFS. Just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, Entering that contest especially, just assume you're going to lose money. That is the best mindset you can have. And overall, even just overall with this race specifically, just assume you're going to lose all of your bets. What do you get? What do you got? (laughs) It's Valentine's Day. I got Smarties. Hey, check this out. So my girlfriend got me Jeff Gordon chocolate for Valentine's Day. Oh, that's nice. So, shout outs to Kelsey. She's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so a couple things here. If you're if you're betting this week, if you are playing DFS this week, just assume you're going to lose. That's how random this race is. Like oh, yeah. you you have to have the mindset of I'm going to lose. So, Ohio recently or this year, start of 2023 is the first time that um it's legal in ohio now finally finally i don't have to run to indiana anymore to place my bets which is probably going to be a bad thing come uh live betting because i'm just gonna oh man like i'm gonna have to stop myself from drinking during the race because <laughs> things are gonna get dumb like you know this the, i mean just the super bowl i don't like i was telling nick before we started this i don't remember the super bowl I watched it, but I didn't watch it. I don't remember the Super Bowl. Apparently, I put two hundred dollars on the Chiefs money line, which was a nice little nice little win. But this is what's going to happen with me when I watch NASCAR this year and being able to live bet. I'm going to need to like self limit myself. But um, a lot of my friends, you know, they they want to get into NASCAR. They want to get NASCAR betting. They see what I've done over the years, and I'm like, of course, I'll help you. You know, I will teach you ways to to play DFS. I will. You can have every single bet that I have, but when it comes to NASCAR, man, you have to be comfortable with losing. Yes. Definitely more than you do other uh, sports. You know, you look at a very, very, very good sports better is hitting 60% of their bets. 
NASCAR, I would 25%. I have it up on my action. Uh, I think I hit 20% on my NASCAR bets last year, but I made 80 units or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I don't have the exact number in front of me. Let me pull it up. I went, besides whatever I had this year, let's just even include this year. So 59 divided by... 59 plus 241, right? Because I had 59 wins, 241 losses. It's exactly 300 mm-hmm. NASCAR bets I've tracked in the action app. So I'm 19.7%. 19.7%, but I'm up 70 units in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Only winning 19.7% of my bets. And to that point, to your point, you better expect to lose. I've made 10 bets for the Daytona 500. So I have um, a spreadsheet, like I said, where I track all my bets, even the ones that I can't track on the app. Uh, so that spreadsheet has it all. I've made 10 bets. Take a guess at what my expected number of raw wins is on that. On those 10 bets? On those 10 bets. A half? Three quarters of a win. Very yeah. close. Yeah. yeah. I'm expected to win three quarters of one win. So I'm expected to go 0.75 and 9.25 losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, 0.75 wins, 9.25 losses. That's just because I'm betting a 50 to one, 55 to one, six to one, you know, like the, the one I'm expected to win the most right now, as of this point in time is my six and a half to one Ty Dillon top 10, which FanDuel originally had him plus 125. I think they realized they screwed up. They dropped him plus 650 today. I smashed that at plus 650. He's now plus 450. And then Christopher Bell top Toyota plus 650 as well at Caesars. So both of those are 13.3% implied win probability. Oh, and I forgot about my Eric Jones top 10 plus 230. So that's 30% implied win probability. But basically, you add up all the implied win probabilities. I'm expecting to win three quarters of a win out of 10 bets. Mm-hmm. And that would uh, that would make me a profit if I went over, if I had one win, right? I would I would turn a profit. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. That's the thing. That it's, it's like I have a love-hate relationship with betting Daytona. I love the odds. I love the long odds. I love taking long shots. But I'm not going to put any significant money up here. And, right. and I already like if you followed my bets last year, I I toned my bets down a lot last year mm-hmm. as far as units bet. And even during the clash, I think I put like a quarter unit on track. Yeah, I did the same thing. My, like my clash bets were low. Yeah, because I I just don't I enjoy the rush of having action, but to 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 dole out a ton of money here with this race, I'm just not good. I do feel I couldn't believe, and I I might be the only one that's on this train. I haven't seen anybody else that jumped on this. Austin Dillon was plus two thirty as well for a top ten. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Which, um, I missed the boat on that one because you know what's funny? Eric Jones and Austin Dillon are right next to each other in my model in terms of uh, win probability and in terms of top ten probability. And actually, so I have Eric Jones slightly higher win probability. And Austin Dillon's slightly higher top 10 prob- win probability, or not win, but slightly higher top 10 probability because Eric Jones does have more upside, I think, than Austin Dillon. And uh, Austin Dillon's more, a little more consistent. So it makes sense, but they're right next to each other. So I should have taken Austin Dillon plus 230. If he's still there, I think I'm going to have to hit that. I think he's like plus 200 now or something like that. Yeah, he's I plus, 185. plus 185 yeah. at FanDuel for top 10. So I missed the boat on that one. Yeah. But that was the first one. I was looking through top tens. And I'm like, wait, Austin Dillon, Daytona was one of his best tracks. There's no reason he should be this far. And I was like, screw it. You know, I'm I'm putting it on it. Um, but you know, like like we said, 
many times. This is this is a very unpredictable race, and when it comes to um, you know my content, I I expect to get my Daytona 500 projections and everything up for DFS on Friday Friday evening, Friday Friday afternoon, Friday evening. There's still a practice session on Saturday, and I know I'm going to get some questions about this. I do not care about practice, and nobody should care about practice at Daytona. Shit about it at all. I've never I'm, used practice to handicap Daytona ever, and I've been a very successful Daytona better and DFS player. I I don't think people understand like how unimportant. Like I would say for the final practice on Saturday, I would be surprised if over half the field did more than five laps. Yeah. Like. And I've seen it, it. That's been the big stink on Twitter here saying, oh, we don't have a practice session before qualifying. Do you think those teams are going to go out there and do anything? If anything, they're just going to shake the car down and make sure it's good, which I understand. I understand that point of it If right. it, it, to make sure that there's nothing crazy going on. But at the same time, like I never understood that. Like everyone's like, bring back the old speed weeks. You remember the old speed weeks when we had seven <laughs> practice sessions? It was a fucking joke. It was stupid. There was no and, point in that. Yeah. It, all it does, all it does, is potentially sway people to to believe that you know some people are faster. Like makes confirmation bias for certain situations, which actually helps us. Exactly. So that was you know another thing I wanted to bring up when we're talking about not using the full salary. Obviously, the the better super speedway drivers, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Joe Logano, they're priced high in DraftKings. All three of them are ten thousand or above. And you know what? If one of them starts twentieth or worse, or multiple of them, they're going to rightly get high ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, you look last year at uh, the Daytona Five Hundred. Denny Hamlin started thirtieth. He had fifty three percent ownership. That's higher than it should be. And and I think this is what people need to realize. Like this comes into game theory about DraftKings specifically. There's no reason why Denny Hamlin starting 30th should have 53% ownership while someone like, I don't know, um, David Reagan. Todd or- Gilliland. Todd Gilliland, do you remember us <laughs> last year? Always talking. So Todd Gilliland started one position higher. I, I completely overlooked it. I don't have my glasses on. All right. Todd Gilliland started 29th in last year's Daytona 500. He was 8% owned. He was 8% owned. Oh, my God. I had like 30-something percent, I remember. Oh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I was above 50. Like, I was so I was so all in on Gilliland last year. And he looked great all race until he got wrecked. But – those are the type of situations like this is so we've talked about this before and, and I know people that if you listen to last year's Daytona 500 pod this podcast of for last year's Daytona 500 I guarantee you're going to hear a lot of the same stuff that we're about to talk about but this is all about the predictability of other players and you have to harness and leverage that predictability because there is no reason why some of these guys should be so underowned. A lot of the time it comes from underowned. You know, I understand to a point Denny Hamlin over 50% owned when he's starting 30th. He's the best super speedway racer in the field. I get it. We're talking about place differential, but you can go to like 38%, 40%, and you're still gonna have leverage on the field. 
as long as you also take those other lower owned guys that start just as far back. Like mm-hmm. that's and and the way DraftKings does the salaries and the way that not only casual players but even like well respected NASCAR players DFS wise they are going to try to fill that cap because a lot of them like it it's, they just don't I don't want to say they don't get it but they don't really get it you know they don't fully get it it's a little um, uncomfortable yeah oh yeah it's it, it's but really I, uncomfortable I've I've, de- I've totally detached from the comfort of salary in in DFS even even on like normal races I just don't I've stopped you giving do. a shit about salary. Literally, yeah, just stop giving a shit about it. Um, I just want to put the best, put together the best lineups I can put together. I'm not sitting here being like, well, you know, this is only forty seven thousand eight hundred with this guy, but we could use this guy to make it forty nine thousand five hundred. Yeah, the other guy's supposed mm-hmm. to be better, but I don't care if it's forty seven thousand seven hundred at Las Vegas. It might happen to be that you know the leader Rex and. All of a sudden, Chris Busher at seventy two hundred is a better player than Danny Hamlin at ten two. Yeah, and and we've talked about that. That's where that's where I I'm not quite as comfortable as you are doing that. So we've definitely talked about you know lineups and in, in non super speedway races last right. year especially. And you'll be like, I think this lineup's pretty good, and I'll be like, man, I just don't feel. It doesn't feel right, and I can't quite get to that point. Now, super speedways, yes, I'm there. I'm all about. Oh yeah, I'm. I am. I am there. But it is. It it is a completely different mindset. And, uh, um, you know, going back to another thing you mentioned, you you mentioned you had you know 500 lineups for DFS last year's Daytona, and obviously you're gonna. You're going to get those people that say, oh, you can't win unless you put in all these lineups, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, first off, assholes, I just want to remind everybody that I took down the second dual race last year with a s- one single bullet. One single bullet, I took it down. The so, other thing is I've funded people who took me up on their offer to enter, what is it, the Minimax, mm-hmm. and they didn't make money. <laughs> if it's that easy, <laughs> it's, why aren't you making it, money doing it? Exactly. Exactly. There we go. I got to I got to run to the fridge here in a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say you got to catch up here. Um yeah. But so so that segues into another good question we had. So uh Matt H he says first time entering a large 3 entry GPP. Uh he usually does single entry and 20 max. Is there an optimal exposure distribution to target two or four drivers at 66% and 10 or more about at 33%? Obviously, it's going to depend on your risk tolerance and everything. But general rule of thumb, when you're playing Daytona and you're only putting in 20, 20 lineups, let's say 15 lineups, what, how, is it just all about how aggressive you want to be or, or is, there a, is there a better strategy that people can take here? Let's be real. You only have three lineups out of several million combinations. So you're just hoping. You're just hoping to get lucky. So in that case, if you're just hoping to get lucky, just play your favorite lineups. I don't care if they're overly overly chalky. I guess I do care a little bit. I would try to make them not chalky. That's that's actually probably the one thing I would take away is not making your lineups too chalky. Um, but it's okay to have some chalk, right? I don't care if Denny Hamlin is starting dead last in the field and you want to play Denny Hamlin in one of those lineups or two of those lineups. I don't care. The whole idea is to make smart lineups because um, 
you only have three bullets out of several million combinations. Mm -hmm. So just make three smart lineups. I can't say you got to play this guy 33% if he's going to be 60% owned and you can't play this. I don't know. I don't know the math on that. I don't give a shit. Um, and and don't get me wrong. I love Matty H. Matt, Matt, the Paul Menard pick of the week won Matt $40,000 or whatever it was. He is the guy where Paul Menard pick of the week started from. Um, really? I didn't know well, his Road of his subscribers fucking crushed it that week. And again, it was a Daytona race. It was in the middle of summer. I actually was in Montreal, Montreal. Uh, and uh, the race was going on. I was trying to watch, you know, track it on my phone in Montreal, update DraftKings. $40,000 he won because he played Martin Truex Jr. and faded or faded Martin Truex Jr. and played Paul Menard, who started like one or two spots further forward, which apparently in 2017 or whatever it was, was not common knowledge to do. But like now players are getting sharper. They're still doing that. But still, like that's still a thing where just make smart decisions. If you think these, and especially for the Daytona 500, because we have the duels. And guess what happens in the duels? Drivers crash. And then what happens when drivers crash? They start in the back. And so you usually have good drivers starting in the back. Guess what you do? You just go underweight in the good drivers and you go overweight on the bad drivers. I shouldn't say bad drivers. Like Todd Gillen's a good driver. But you know what I mean? Like the bad cars, the guys that don't get as much recognition. Just pivot. You have three lineups. I don't give a shit what you do. Just make three smart lineups. Uh, you could use Denny Hale in all three of them if he starts dead last, as long as you're making good um, pivots elsewhere. So doesn't matter to me what you do in a three max. Uh, just just make good lineups. Don't don't stack first through fifth. That kind of stuff. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I am a I stick to high dollar for the most part, so I generally play those type of contests. But when it comes to Daytona and Talladega, I I turn into like. I, I I've I've only entered the the big GPPs, um, fully mass entered max entered those I think twice ever. Like it's just not my. I get too aggressive for those. I get too aggressive. A lot of my DFS play is I'm super aggressive, and I either have a shit week or I have a great week. There's no in between. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my risk tolerance. That's how I operate. That's that's just me. But yeah, if you're if you're only entering a few entries, I don't know if I'm doing it. I'm I'm looking for those pivots, and I'm I'm kind of staying away from the chalk as much as it sucks to do. Like I actually don't care. Like I said, I don't care if you get to take the chalk. You just have to find other pivots. You absolutely yeah. have to find pivots. You can't definitely find chalky you lines. Can't, you can't go full chalk. No, you absolutely cannot. And if you're even going to go somewhat chalk. Like I said, if Denny Hamlin's dead last starting position, he's going to be 55% owned. Even if you want to have Denny Hamlin in all three of your lineups, all other five drivers in your lineups, you got to have at least three that are very different. So that's that's what I have to say about that. You and, and the crazy thing is, we talk about these, we talk about chalk lineups, and this is why you have to pay attention to, you know, guys like Nick and myself that project ownership for these drivers, because you would think that, you know, guys starting dead last in the, in the shit cars are going to get a ton of exposure. They don't 
The highest last year, as far as the shitbox cars, was David Reagan, 9.46% starting 34th. He ended up in the optimal. Yeah. Like, the, as much as we like to say, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not on board with stack the back. No, Maybe, no, no. And it, it worked out for Daytona 2, obviously. It's, it, there's going to be times when it works out. But I'm just, I'm not there because of how unlikely it is. Stack the back was a cheat code from 2015 to 2017, 18. It's no longer a cheat code, right? So Mm -hmm. we're at the point now where the field is optimized, not optimized, but DFS players have learned they need to play more guys starting in the back. So it's no longer the cheat code it used to be. Even in a week where like crazy forward drivers had good days or whatever, you could still stack the back and crank out a small profit or at worst a small loss that those days are no longer there you can't stack the back necessarily now it's not going to give you a big loss for sure because of the nature of the race you're not going to have a big loss just playing stack the back but you need to take some shots going further forward in the field for sure but smart shots you can't just take any shots that's why i like when i said when we we talked about my 500 lineups my top four starting drivers exposure at three percent, it was just on Brad Keselowski. I wasn't taking a shot on Chris Buescher because he never leads. Wasn't taking a shot on the front row because it's front row. But I did take a shot on Kez because Kez is Kez at super speedways. That was one of my blunders in last year's Daytona. I was I wasn't on Kez at all. Which, hey, it happens. Even then, I was three percent on him compared to what sixteen percent or something. So yeah, seventeen point six five. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but you know, going, going back to, obviously there's going to be people that build by hand, but if you're building with an optimizer, um, I don't know about you. I I know we talked about this last year and I'm sure we're probably still on the same page. The amount of randomness that I throw into the op that I allow the optimizer to have is I, my, yeah, randomize the hell out of it. I don't care. I don't care who's in the lineup. There's going to be different parameters that I like. You know, I want this many people starting outside of this yeah. mark. I want correlation to go up with these certain drivers just because, you know, it makes more sense if you, if you have Toyota teammates or something like that, a small, like smaller team correlation a little bit, but <clears throat> don't try not to overthink this. Get your ownerships to where you want them compared to where you're expecting them to be. Try to get, you know, if you think if you if you think you're going to have an edge with, for example, Todd Gillen last year, Cole Custer last year was another guy that I was super high on, mm-hmm. uh, starting thirty first. He did end up at twenty percent, but even then, twenty percent still a little too low, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, get to your percentages and just let it rip. You know, there's no, there's a there's a base formula that I try to use if I'm building by hand. Like I I want like a couple drivers in this range, blah blah blah. But yeah, there's, I don't care I if my lineup, I don't care if my lineup has six drivers starting the back. I don't care if my lineup has two in the back, two in the middle and two up front. As long as the proportions of those types of lineups are correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the big thing. Um, switching gears here a little bit. Uh, I know you have a couple Daytona 500 bets already. Oh, yeah. I know I have a couple. Um, I was very surprised. Bet Bet 365, which I have never even opened before in my life. 
until today. Uh, Bowman at 16 to one for the poll and Byron at 20 to one for the poll. Uh, had to hit those because we talked about it before. Hendrick has been so good at, at qualifying at Daytona. It, and when you look at the other apps, so this is another thing you have to do. There are so many sports books out there. And most sports books have Byron as the favorite. I'm pretty sure Caesars and FanDuel both have Byron at nine to one. So when Bet365 has Byron at 20 to one, okay, what's going on? I'm gonna hit it. But um, and this is another thing, like I said, Ohio sports sports betting just became legal in Ohio this year. And a lot of my friends are trying to get into the sport and none of a, a lot of them, I'm not going to say none of them, but a lot of them don't understand the value in having a bunch of, or having an account with all of these sports books. And I cannot overstate how important this is. If you want to maximize your profit, because I get it. Most sports, you know, football, baseball, lines are going to be pretty much the same through all these sports books. NASCAR? Not like that this, at all. This is one example. And you go from 9 to 1 to 20 to 1. That's over double. So if you're putting 10 bucks on it, you're either going to win 90 or 200. Which would you rather take? And all it takes is having an account, and it, yes, it's a pain in the ass to create accounts with all these sports books. It's a pain in the ass to download all the apps, but you know what? It's worth it. <laughs> oh, because it's it's the only thing that it costs you is your time, and I know time is money, but not really. Like you're not paying money to download the app. You're not paying money to scan your ID or send it to them or whatever you need to do at these various books. You're not paying money to do that. All you're doing is you're doing that so you can make money. So you could argue, of course, time is money. You can make money doing other things. But this we're talking about vast differences. Yes. Huge differences. And and, and it's like I'm looking at the, the – so there's something called the hold, which if you – like let's just say for top Chevy, uh, and I'm not talking anything else. I'm just saying let's say top Chevy. If you just look at one specific book, they may have – and then you convert the odds into implied win probability, they may have a 130% chance for a Chevy to finish as top Chevy. So that'd be a 30% hold. Well, there's something called a synthetic hold, which is instead of just looking at the one book, look at the best odds from every book. And you can get that synthetic hold down to about 18, 17, 11%, depending on the market where holds are 35, 40%. So you're reducing the if you if you think of a hold like as a rake if you play a poker game or something like that, um, but the idea is you're reducing the house edge by shopping across so many different books and you can reduce it by almost fifty percent right going from forty to twenty percent hold that's basically a fifty percent reduction in hold and you know I think a lot of these books they look at each other and compare odds, but there's times that some of them are just so far off. And that's why you need to, like, you have to be ready to pounce on these. Cause we saw it how many times last year, a driver opened up at 25 to one when they should have been. I mean, Kevin Harvick at New Hampshire last year, or what race was it? Him and Logano. Uh, yeah. Whatever yeah. it was. I forget. Yeah. So 
just be prepared for because it's going to happen. It might only happen three times a year, but it's going to happen, and you're going to need to jump on that and be able to hit that early. Not to mention, like you, you like we saw it a lot with uh, like top Toyota last year. You remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like when I when I hit Bubba Wallace hundred to one top Toyota at Indy Road Course. I'm pretty sure he was like twelve to one at Caesars. The the he was book. So I was to say the book actually has been offering the hundreds accidentally at Caesars, at least for IndyCar. Um, they've been offering some insane longer odds, uh, and then you know it, it just depends each week, and you just have to have all the apps, all the books, all the you just have to be on all of them because that's how you become a successful better. If you mm-hmm. just stick to one book, you're going against 30% hold instead of 15% hold, something like that, mm-hmm. which is huge. It's it's absolutely huge. It, it makes a massive difference in your long-term ROI. Mm. Yeah. So as, as we always say, shop around, but don't hesitate. Not to mention like all these books, like Bet Bet365 gave me $200 in free bets just for depositing and making a bet of like $10. Not to mention they like if people use my referral code, they get like a hundred dollars in free bets without even depositing. Like they just get a hundred dollar free bet. Like one, take advantage of these these offers, and two, uh, get the best odds because I mean you even look at and, and actionnetwork.com, You know you go to actionnetwork.com slash NASCAR or even use the app. Mm-hmm. You can see the varying lines. W- of drivers like they're outright and i'm just taking chase elliott right now for example because he's he's popping up right in front of me he's 10 to 1 at caesars he's 13 to 1 at fanduel why would you pass up the opportunity to get him at 13 to 1 because you have you you for some reason have an allegiance to caesars like i get brand loyalty i used to only stay at mgm properties when i went to vegas i used to only fly southwest that was when i was dumb now i now i'm a little bit smarter and there's yes. there's still room for brand loyalty, but it has to be worth the value. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And sports books, especially, there is no I unless unless you are a whale VIP player, yeah. Chances are there is no reason to have brand loyalty because these motherfuckers will drop you for the smallest shit. I mean if you if you pay attention to this podcast last year, you know the shit I went through with DraftKings. Oh, yeah. They're still kind of on my shit list, but they're not fully in the depths of hell right now. Right. But actually, Barstool is is taking that position now. By the way, because I went to place a bet on Barstool, and they want me to verify my identity, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Like they're like, you have to contact support. Contact support. Three days later, I still haven't heard a damn thing. Just trying to place a bet. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to do. Yep. Just insane. But so getting back to, you know, bets overall, like I said, Bowman, Byron, as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm even take, I'm even considering taking Larson nine to one and chase 10 to one and just going full Hendrick for Spoiler alert. That's what I did. But, uh, I, I took at bet three, six, five. I took all of them. Um, I know I could shop around a little better, I think, for Larson and Elliott, but Bowman 16, Byron uh, 20 to 1 for pole at Bet365. You got to do it. And I think earlier in the day, as we're recording this now, I don't think you can get Larson and, and Elliott what they, uh, they were 
I think Larson was 11 at some books or 10. I know PJ Walsh um, wrote up for Action Network uh, Larson at 10, but I think that has since passed. Uh, but if, if, and it, again, these are, this is another thing. Like, so you mentioned Action Network has all like that grid of everything. ActionNetwork.com slash NASCAR has that grid of everything, but it doesn't have a grid for pole sitter because, because books don't very often off, offer it. So right now, I all I see the best is Kyle Larson 9-1, to one, but I'm still going to take that. going to take it for a quarter yeah. unit. I'm going to take Chase Elliott for a quarter unit. Going to take uh, Alex Bowman, quarter unit. Going to take uh, William Byron, quarter unit. Don't don't care. And I already took Almirola 50-1, to one, so that's what I'm going to do. But like my angle on Almirola is Denny Hamlin on his podcast said the aerodynamic advantage of, of the Fords is bigger this year because there has been been some body changes. I know I have the hiccups and I have no idea why, but there has <laughs> been some body changes to these Fords uh, where it seems like they have even more of an aerodynamic advantage and it's not necessarily going to be in race trim. It may actually be in qualifying trim now. So that's why I threw... Uh, a, ha- a quarter unit on Eric Almirola at fifty to one as well. Yeah, I, I kind of wish I got got in on that. I got uh, Almirola to win the race forty to one, but I again, I'm still on the train of I think Ford. I think they're going to race a lot better. I don't think they're going to uh, have the qualifying speed. But I, I, know, I could be completely wrong. I just had to burp. The hiccups are gone. <laughs> uh, by the way, it's hard I to just burp when you're in the middle of a monologue or whatever. So, <laughs> but I mean. You know, that's going to happen when you're drinking carbonated beverages on a podcast. Correct. Uh, by the way, I just opened FanDuel and they just they, they just put some more stuff up and I have a bet that I think I like in real time here. Any driver to win two plus stages and that includes the race win, no minus 150. What? How is that <laughs> minus 150? That should be a we, that's that should be like minus a, a billion. Oh my I, god. Right? We're betting that right now. Oh my yeah. god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm I'm betting this right now. Now, this isn't this isn't to win both first stages. It's to win to not win a stage and the race or two stages. But still, yeah, that's it, ridiculous. Yeah, because yes is minus one ten. Yeah, uh, that, this is that. This should be like minus. 250 minimum i think i mean and i'm just this is i'm just spitballing this i'm just spitballing this but this is the biggest no ever i mean th- this isn't even close to fair odds oh my god this is incredible yeah, um I'm, yeah my bet's in so i got it locked in nice Shout out Ohio for allowing me to. Uh, this might be the. I think this is the first time ever on this podcast that we're both live betting yeah. as we're talking. Like that's how good. Like if this bet is still available when this goes live. All right, I'm in. Man. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This wait, has to be a mistake. Wait, is it to win? Did you? Yeah. Any driver win two plus stages? Includes include, overall race win. Yeah. So, so one stage one, stage, stage, one, stage two, two or race. Win race. Yeah. Got to take the now on minus 150. 
it's not going to be minus 150 by the time y'all hear this podcast, I'm assuming. But Jordan and I literally live, he hit refresh. He let me know, and we're betting it now. Uh, oh, my God. That, that's, that's crazy. Wow. It's going to be a hell of a sweat. <laughs> it is. Cause, like, <laughs> oh, but- God. It's going to be the worst sweat. <laughs> Yeah, because watch watch this year's Daytona, um, you know, be the be a calm Daytona oh, for, God. for the first two stages, and then you know someone like Hamlin just goes out and rides around for two stages, and you know, but oh no, you minus one fifty, you bet that, and every day, all day, every day, yeah, I I'm putting a large sum of money on this. Uh, I will make this large sum of money public here uh, in my tracking spreadsheet in just a moment i'm just doing some calculate like super fast calculations i got a unit down but uh i'm or to win a unit but i am doing some fast calculations to see how much more i want to put down on this um i'm really quickly looking at last year's daytona 500 uh stage one last year truex stage two truex that actually helps us because books will think that's like a real thing right yeah and then 2021 stage one hamlin stage two hamlin (laughs) oh my god i love it the books are so overreacting to this this makes me so happy uh 2020 chase elliott hamlin hamlin god like each of the last three years it's hit we're gonna we're gonna look like idiots. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Uh, no, I'm I'm still I'm I'm feeling good about it. I'm too. What happened in 2019? Don't tell me it hit then too. <laughs> oh God! All right, here we go. 2019. Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin. Okay. What uh, I'm going to look up here, the yeah, this is the first time on this podcast that this has happened. I this yeah, awesome. I think this is literally the first time this has ever happened. That's are you looking insane. just at Daytona 500? What was that? I said, are you looking just at Daytona 500? Yeah, Daytona 500, any driver yeah. two plus stages. I'm going back um, through. I, well, like last fall, it was Logano, Kyle Busch, Dylan. Yeah. Uh, August race last year was Chase. Yeah. Logano, Blaney. So yeah, like it's weird that it's happened so often in recent Daytona 500s, but I think that's books overreacting. I 100% agree. Um, all right, let's go to 2018. Cause I mean, why the hell? We may as well look at all the stages here. Uh, 
Kurt Blaney Dillon in 2018, like you said. 2017. I mean, this is this is live podcast reaction. You never get this. Where else are you going to get this? What other podcast are you going to get this? Other than Stacking Denny's. Uh, 2017, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch. So, hell no. And that was the start of stages, was 2017. So, 17, 18, 19, no. 2021, 22, yes. So, it seems like an even money proposition, but I actually think it's I think the yes has been a little lucky. Agreed. We could go through a bunch of super speeder races, and I feel like the yes would be lucky, but it's the Daytona 500, man. Everybody's trying to win it. You're not, especially the winner part is like the least correlated part of all of this. Maybe stage one and two, but it's possible. It's just not probable. Uh, fall race Daytona in 2020 Logano won first two stages. So I'm still just kind of going back here. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, July race in 2019 Logano, Austin Dillon, Justin Haley. Um, Justin Haley, Logano, Austin. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's easy. Oh, that was exciting. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I can't wait to clip that in the That's uh, gonna be incredible. Like that that's that's an all time stacking Denny's <laughs> podcast highlight. That's an all timer right there. Oh man. I'm gonna bet more. No no is now minus one seventy. <laughs> is it it already moved? Because guess what? I just blasted it. That's awesome. Oh, baby. Minus 185. It is literally moving as we are as we are podcasting. It is moving. Um, oh, I have man, the screenshot. Awesome. You know, in case people don't believe me, I have the screenshot for a very large sum of money on this bet. Yeah, so the, the yes is now plus 120, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, baby. I love it. Jordan, I'm actually sending you this uh, screenshot just so you you have it. Don't don't spoil the amount. They took it off. They took it off. They off took the it board. off. They the took board. it off the board. <laughs> oh, oh my god! So you have to go into your Twitter DMs. I just sent you the screenshot. I just saw it, man. Yeah. Okay. Now that we got that excited, <laughs> this is like this is an all time. I'm like speechless. I, this is an all time stacking Denny's moment. Um, I think we just ruined that bet for everybody, unfortunately. Oh, but yeah, man. it is locked. It is straight up locked. Yeah, <laughs> that had to trigger some. The uh, funny part is it kept moving even when neither you nor I were betting it. So other people saw it too, for sure. Oh yeah. I think well, I think ours got in before it moved, and then all of a sudden I, they they had to get fucking hammered. But that's what that. I'm saying. So we got ours in, and then it moved from minus one fifty to minus one seventy, and that was even after you and I bet it. Even after it was still sitting there, minus one fifty. 
Then it moved to minus 170 while we weren't betting it. Then it moved to minus 185 while we weren't betting it. And uh, then they just straight up took it off the board. This is oh, this I'm is so the, happy. I love this, Jordan. Dude, well done. Great find. Um, but this is why you got. This is part of betting NASCAR. Like you are literally listening to two guys that bet NASCAR for a living, betting NASCAR for a living live on air. Basically, I mean, you're going to hear it recorded the next day, I guess. But this is what we do. We talk. You got to network with people. You got to talk. Got to be out there. Consume all the content you can. Like I said, like you said, you know, Ryan Stevens or Derek Yoder or Greg Mathern or Garage Guys or whoever you want. PJ, Stevie Young, obviously. Um, consume all the content. Consume it all. Race for the prize. You know, Pierce Dietrich, everybody, Brandon Cruz, everybody. Consume all of it. I can name so many NASCAR DFSers. Um, Chris. Pennell, Pernell, I never know how to say his name, but um, he's the guy that helped the Millionaire Maker winners last year. Millionaire Maker winner. He he subscribes to his site. Follow them all. Listen to them all. It's good advice. These people do what these do, they do because they're good at it. And even if we disagree, they're still good at it. They still provide valuable information. So follow them all. You can't go wrong consuming more content uh and it, it just it gets me excited like this is what i want like fanduel fucking fanduel releases a prop that we nobody expected that right and we just blast the shit out of it and then other apparently other sharp betters apparently other sharp betters did too and the fucking thing is off the board well it just went back up minus 185 which i just put i put more money on it I'm fine with one. I'm I'm fine with minus one eighty five. I'm I'm literally typing about how I'm like making notes of how this is the greatest stacking Denny's segment of all time. Oh my gosh! I cannot wait to clip this. Like I said, and I know people people right now are probably like, "God, guys, get the fuck on with this!" But man, this was exciting. That's that's definitely a stacking Denny's first. Oh yeah, this is the first time we've ever just blasted a line on air. Man, we're getting close to that. Uh, speaking of lines, we're getting close to the line of beer set. We're at 10. Are we? Oh, shit. Over yeah, I'm, un- at, I'm at five. I forgot. Over under was 11 and a half. Yeah, I've had one, two, three. <laughs> the, the bottles clanking in the background Four, is my five. favorite part of that clip. <laughs> Got five of them already, so well, I haven't finished the fifth. I guess is it is it opened or consumed? I mean obviously I'm gonna consume it. By the way, the the line's minus one ninety five now. One ninety five. I'm watching this in real time. This is it hilarious. Should, like, honestly, like most other books I feel like have that line at minus two thousand. So this is the discrepancy we're talking about. At it, it, it's it's ironic that we just got done talking about the varying lines for, you know, qualifying bets or even outright bets with these books, exact same thing here. Like this is just, and I don't know, like there's not a lot of people like us that sit here and, and watch this shit. Like we do like last year, (laughs) beginning of the year, you and I both were constantly refreshing these sports books. 
mm-hmm. waiting just to post lines and then just trying to, you know, hoping value. Like, obviously, a lot of people aren't going to do that. They're not going to take time out of their day to do that. But hey, if you go to Twitter, you go to Nick and I's profiles, okay? There's a little bell up by our names. Yeah. And you get no- notifications straight to your phone. Yes. We tweet stuff out. Like, I know when I find something like that, I tweet it out after I bet it. Like, I'll bet it and then I'll tweet it out. Like, obviously, yeah, well, obviously we have to take, we're, we're, we're still human. We take care of ourselves first and then we tweet it. That's just part of being a better. If you're a better, you're betting to make a living, to make a profit. You bet it and then you go tell everybody, hey, this is what I bet. Yeah. Or you panic on, live on a podcast recording and bet it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that line is terrible. That line was terrible. It's oh pro- We're gosh. probably going to lose, but I don't care. That line minus, was terrible. Minus, two, minus 230. <laughs> minus 230. We're not minus even betting two- anymore. You and I are not betting anymore. This is just minus, like two minus, minus 250. Two, <laughs> minus 250. <laughs> This We're not so betting good. this at all. I promise you. We we bet at one minus one fifty, and we're just watching the line move now. This is incredible. I, I wish I should get like a screen recording of this or something. This is so funny. You know, I'm sure people will ask for the screenshot later, and I will produce the screenshot later. You know what's crazy is if that gets to like minus five hundred or something. I wonder if they'll offer you a cash out option. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, like, and just like, you, yeah, you can either sweat it or just take that instant cash. Yeah, this is this is so good. I, they actually took it off the board, repost it minus two eighty. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not even betting it. We're not even like we're just sitting here watching this. I've no, I don't even know what's happening. Man. Uh, this people one, are going to be so mad at us. I wish this was a, a live stream. And we were gonna, like I know, I know. If this was a live stream, it'd be great, but people are going to be so mad at us because we record this on Tuesday night and then put it out Wednesday during the day. Oh, baby. You know, Just it's like when you funnier. get a Harvick 130 to 1 and people get mad at you for that uh, because you actually got that line. What are you going to do? Uh, now I'm the bad guy for getting Harvick 130 to 1 when he should have been 25 to 1? Somehow it makes me a bad guy. I don't get it. I don't get it either. No, I don't get it. Oh man! All right, let's uh, let's go to our uh, let's go to our picks here. Yes, good call. Who do that, you... that was the total biggest tangent of all time. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that was a solid. I don't even know how many minutes that was. Of, <laughs> but you know what? You can't say that this podcast isn't fun. Yeah, you can't say and... it doesn't deliver. Man. All right. Uh, let's do random fantasy racing, which, by the way, uh, I was saving this. Away. I was saving it for this. Yeah, I hope it doesn't I, go away. Yeah, that's that's going to be disappointing. But I, I'm still just broken over this minus 280 now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to do my random fantasy now. And we'll see what I get for. Daytona. Here it is. Drum roll. My random fantasy racing pick is Ooh. 
actually don't know who this is. Number 13. Uh, Chandler Smith. Chandler Smith, if he makes it. I have Chandler as my random fantasy pick. My girlfriend's cat is named Chandler. I just finished watching a- Friends last night with Chandler as a character for the whole, like, 10 seasons of it. This is meant to be. Chandler's winning the day. Five. I picked Chandler. I have Chandler 201 from Circus. Oh, yeah, you do. Like, oh, my God. If Chandler wins the day, 500, this is going to go down in history as the greatest day of my betting life with hitting any driver to win two plus stages no (laughs) (laughs) oh man Chandler Smith I didn't realize uh, Colleg took over the 13 by the way Uh, yeah I mean because that's a Colleg car nobody was 13 last year but it used to be the Jermaine racing number remember the Geico like Ty Dillon there was no 13 last year no, it was Almendinger was 16, or the, the 16 car was split by three drivers. And then 31 is Justin Haley. 13 oh, was in Xfinity. Ty, Ty Dillon was, Ty Dillon was uh, with Petty last year. Yeah, he was 40, 42 with Petty. Yeah, yep, yep. All right, let me click yours so you can get your uh, um, oh, yeah. influencer here thing. Let's see what my <laughs> random fantasy driver is. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. I got the 78 of BJ you McLeod. Have BJ <laughs> McLeod. Man. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, so we're not starting the season off super hot here. But there's a chance BJ McLeod finished top 10 last Daytona. Chandler Smith, you never know what's going to happen there with the college car. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of disappointing not being able to get. Uh, by the way, I'm going to get confused with the two Smiths in the field now. I, I, yeah, Zane yeah. Smith's Zane Smith's in the 36. So, which- so actually, I want to bring up a really good point. Um, this is actually a very, very important point. A very good point. Make sure you look up your sportsbook's house rules because Chandler Smith and Zane Smith are not locked into the field. But if you have a sportsbook that says must start the race for action or – must complete the formation lap as because they're generalizing motorsports like F1 formation lap. Must complete the formation lap for action versus all bets are action or or must qualify attempts to qualify for action. Those are very different. That all of a sudden changes your win probability calculations um, for top forward or top Toyota or, or, or win the race or anything. So I bet with Circa Chandler Smith 201 because he must start the race for action. So there's no risk. If, if he doesn't qualify, I get my bet back. Whereas I was looking you, at, I was looking at Chandler Smith. I think it was bet three, six, five. I'm not, I'm, I'm not putting this on bet three, six, five or anything, but I think it's must start for act or all bets are action. There's, there was one book out there. There was like all bets are action. And so I hesitated to bet on Zane Smith top Ford, even though I like his price at 40 to one or 35 to one. I'm not betting it because it's a must start for action. So you got to look up your books house rules that hundred percent just goes for anything. Got to look up your books house rules. And that's why I'm comfortable betting the Chandler Smiths of the world, but not yet comfortable betting the Zane Smiths of the world at books where it's must or where all, all bets have action or must attempt to qualify for action because we know he's going to attempt to qualify. I want to know he's locked into the field before I bet him. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and that's uh, and that's one thing I didn't we didn't really touch on here is uh, there's going to be two two cars that don't qualify for this race, and there's like Travis Pastrana is running a twenty three eleven car. Um, you know anything can happen with these with these dual races when it comes to the guys that are going to get left out. I I let me make sure I'm talking correctly here. That's how it works, right? Nobody's going to get knocked out from qualifying. Right. It's Nobody gets dual, knocked out from qualifying. It's still the dual races. Okay. You can you can lock in a driver from qualifying, but you can't knock them out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. So who, who how many get locked in? I, I think it's two wise? based off. I think the two fastest are automatically locked in on speed. <laughs> um, it might be one, but I think it's two because of one of each in, each duel. But even then, if they, you know, if they were dead last in their duel, they still get in. Um Whereas if they race their way and even in the duel, if both of them did, then it would be the next two based off speed. So like there's a element of like speed versus duel stuff, but which I like because we want our fastest cars to get in. But then it's also cool if you can race your way in through the draft in a drafting race. So I actually really like this format. I like the way it's done. Um, you're locking a couple of them in on speed and the other four got a race. So, I'm going to I'm going to kind of segue here before we get to our race win picks because I'm looking at the entry list, I'm looking at the cars. There's a lot of good cars and drivers in here and I can guarantee that one of the big name are not going to make it. I mean the the shit boxes in this race would be Connor Daly in the in the money team car. Mhm. Uh, Cody Ware in the Rick Ware car, but BJ McLeod. Yeah, and BJ McLeod's oh, locked yeah. in. Oh, shit. You're right. So the guys that are not locked in, Jimmy Johnson, 84 for Legacy Motor Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis Pastrana in the 2311 car, number 67. Yep. Austin Hill in the 62 for Beard Motorsports, which that car is always – like all they do – the only reason that Beard Motorsports – has a shop is to run these super speedway races and they always have and they're getting rcr support now with austin hill yes connor daly in the the money team car is not locked in zane smith front row motorsports we know they have good cars i mean michael mcdowell todd gilliland we saw it last year and And then then chandler Chandler smith Smith with colleague yeah so two of those guys right there and and the 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 obvious picks to not make it i well one of them is going to be connor daly in that money team car. I don't think there's a second obvious pick. There's not. There's no way. Yeah. And even like that car really could race his way in. Like Exactly. Like one one mistake, one wreck, he's and some of these other guys can get knocked out. But you know what this is gonna do for DFS for DraftKings? Mm-hmm. This is a loaded field. I haven't even taken this into account, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. This is a absolutely loaded field. Oh, Riley man. Herbst is locked in in the other wear car, by the way. Right. Just yeah, he's in that 15. Boxes. Um, Riley Herbst is driving the 15 that David Reagan piloted to a top 10. Top 10s in both Daytona races last year. Mm-hmm. By the way, David Reagan was in the million-dollar parlay last year, which, you know, um, people get mad at us for tooting our own horn about that, but the listener to this podcast credited you and I for the information we provided, but the listener put it all together and won a million dollars. So credit to them. That was awesome. But it, you know, I've, I've seen us get shit for 
taking credit for it. No, I, I, I'm not taking credit for that. I'm just saying they said, thank you, Rotodoc and Jordan, for, for this, uh, for the advice you gave. They're the ones who put it together. I've never denied that. <laughs> You've never denied that. But this isn't going to be that race. Oh, by the way, there's no top 10 parlays right now at Sportsbooks. But uh, this isn't going to be that race. Ever open that back up? No, I think that's dead forever. Congrats on killing yeah. that, listener. <laughs> yeah. FanDuel, the dumbest thing. FanDuel does a lot of dumb shit. Like, let's be honest. Like, last year they combined the two dual races into one DFS contest. Just absolute insanity. But, by the way, cash those over tickets, boys. Oh, but, we just hit over. Let's go. But, uh... The dumbest thing FanDuel has done was cut off those top 10 parlays for Darlington, which was the week after the Daytona million-dollar parlay hit. Because everybody was talking about that. Everybody was going to try to bet guys like Cody Ware and try to do the exact same thing. And the chances of that happening at Darlington were... I don't want to say zero, but as close to zero as humanly possible. Yeah. So FanDuel could have absolutely raked every single person that bet a parlay like that. And yeah, I oh, don't God, think we're yeah. ever going to see those again. There's like, we, I just saw a tweet today that was like, how can I parlay top, top five, top 10 finishes? I'm like, you're not going to see it again. If any sports book ever offers it again, please DM me immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, because I'm going to sit there and like, I'm not going to do it for regular races, but Daytona comes around. Yeah. I'll, I'll but so I'll start making Riley Herbst is in that car, which of course David Reagan was. And David Reagan is the consummate super speedway driver. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Riley Herbst can do things with that car as well. When I'm building DFS lineups, I'm not going 5%. Guys. I'm not going 10% on Riley Herbst. I'm going 15 to 20% minimum on Riley Herbst. Uh, if he's starting, you know, in the thirties or whatever. Uh, which is what I should have done last year on David Reagan, but I was so hesitant on those wear cars that I think I only went about equal. I think I did 10, 11, 12%, something like that. But uh, no, Riley Herbst is a good driver. He's, he's, he's a good driver. Yeah. And, it, and that's another thing, uh, you know, for DFS players this week, um, the lower or the lesser known guys, the Chandler Smiths, the Riley Herbst, they're going to be their chance. The Zane Smiths, they're probably going to be starting back there in 30 something. And because they're not a household name like Jimmy Johnson or uh, even Austin Hill, I would, I would kind of argue there, maybe not really, but Jimmy Johnson, especially is going to get such a higher ownership just based on his name, which is stupid, stupid, especially in the lower dollar contests. Yes. Yes. Like this is such the week to pivot, especially you know opening week. A lot of casual players are are going to be playing DraftKings this week. <clears throat> like, go underweight on every single big name, and if not every single one of them, most of them. You know what I mean? That is my one takeaway for for this. Just be different this week. This is the week to do it, and. Obviously, you know, you and I have been very successful DFS players over the years because of our contrarian brains, but this yes. is 100% the week to do it. 100%. Yeah. 
And if it and if it doesn't work out, it might not work out. Like I'm not gonna sit here and guarantee that it works out. No, of course not. But but the, I'm not gonna guarantee that the no is gonna hit on no mm-hmm. driver to win two straight two plus stages. Like I'm not gonna guarantee that, but it's still a good bet. The, yeah. I, I, if you give me this a gazillion times over, if you give me a gazillion times over, I'm gonna take the no at minus one fifty every single time. Because it's instead of it, you know, minus one fifty is equivalent to sixty uh, percent no. I think it's probably closer to sixty-five, seventy, seventy-five percent no. And just because it's happened a few times doesn't mean that's the long-term thing. I think it's just happened to happen, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't think it's a long-term thing at all for for this to be a. A reality. So we talked about picks to win. I mean, we just uh, we just went through BJ, BJ McLeod started on this next tangent. Um, wait, wait, yeah. So uh, I think we're both on on the same page here. Connor Daly is going to be one of the people that do not make it. Who is your second to not make it? Am I saying that right, Daly? Yeah, yeah. Connor Daly or is it Daly? Yeah, he's a, no Daly. Um, so Derek Daly, famous. Formula One driver Connor Daly is his son, and Connor Daly was leading the Indy 500 a couple of years ago. Uh, led a lot of laps and had some bad luck, but the Daly family is very well known in open wheeled circles. Connor Daly, full time in IndyCar as well, is running the Daytona 500 as well as some other select races for the Money Team. Um, my other pick, which this kind of sucks, like. We got Jimmy Johnson, got double Smiths. We've got uh, uh, Austin Hill, and then I'm missing mm-hmm. one of oh Travis Pastrana. Pastrana. Think, I'm going to take Pastrana because I don't even understand this move. Like it obviously. I mean, I do understand. Obviously, it's money driven. We know it. We know it's money driven. The only reason Pastrana's in this car is because of money. He hasn't raced in a stock cars in NASCAR since 2013, which is in the Xfinity series, then the nationwide series. He's raced trucks a few times since then, but it's like usually one-offs, but I, he's never raced in cup ever at the top level. I just don't understand this move. He's a wrecking ball. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's knows what he's, my feeling is he's not going to know what he's doing and not make the race. I think that's a pretty yes because well and here's here's another reason why he's in a Toyota and we have two two dual races depending on how he could he could end up with not a single other Toyota exactly exactly and the, these other guys aren't going to help him so yeah I think I think Pastrana is definitely the safe pick I I'm rooting for Johnson not to make it just for the drama but. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be daily. I, I would daily love, I actually am not rooting for that because not because I like Jimmy Johnson. Or I think it'd be cool to have, I think it's good for NASCAR to have him in this race. Hmm. I understand that. I think it's better for NASCAR to have Jimmy Johnson in this race than it is to have Travis Pastrana in this race. And I hesitate as I say that because I realize saying that means you can bring in Travis Pastrana's fan base. Um, which is not a NASCAR <laughs> fan base, and the NASCAR fan base already knows about Jamie Johnson. So I hesitate as I say that, but I still think 
overall, the larger balance is it's probably better to have Jimmy Johnson in the race. Actually, I, I take that statement, but I, I, I want it for the drama aspect, but for the DFS aspect of Jimmy Johnson being 60% yeah, owned. Like, <laughs> Does Toronto making the race actually be the worst thing for DFS because you don't know how to play him? Like, I don't think right. he's good, but he's also in a 23-11 car. Yeah. It's like, so do you go over or under on him? Like, I think people will actually potentially be over on him. I don't know. I actually think Pastrana would be the worst thing for DFS. <laughs> God, somebody just wreck him on lap one, please. Please. Gosh. Uh, I don't want to deal with Man. that. All right. I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go Pastrana too. Like we're, we have the same picks here. Pastrana and, and daily. Who'd you pick to win? Daytona 500. Uh, I'm going to go William Byron. I don't know if anybody can hear it, but Link is snoring right now directly next to this, this microphone. William Byron to win the day. Oh man. That's you know, what's funny. Um, he's the number one Chevy in my model, top Chevy in my model, even ahead of Chase Elliott, uh, obviously ahead of Larson and Bowman because they suck at super speed base. But he is the top Chevy in my model, barely over Chase Elliott. And my top five. Okay, I'll just give it out here. My top five in my model to win based off win probability. Number one is Denny Hamlin. I, I think nobody can argue with that. Number two is Ryan Blaney. Again, I think nobody can argue with that. Nope. Number three is William Byron, which is the interesting one. Very. Number four is Chase Elliott, which is hard to argue. And number five is Joey Logano. So I very much trust my model because I think the top five make a lot of sense. I just think William Byron being in third overall is very interesting. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, especially like, and that goes to show how finishing position at these races is not a future predictor. No, because you look at the last five races from William Byron at Daytona points paying races. 34th, 38th, 37th, 26th, 1st, and 40th. Yeah. He's wrecked out of four of the last six and finished 26th and 1st in the other two. So mm-hmm. I'm with you there. He has big upside if he can avoid the problems. And his odds right now, please don't. Uh, nope. There we go. Uh, Byron. You can get him at nineteen to one. Mm-hmm. You like that, or I do. I I, I mean, if you saving this, your model, I've been saving this, but I think Byron at nineteen to one is right on the cusp of what I would consider value. Um, so I haven't yet bet it. It doesn't mean I'm not going to bet it. it. Doesn't mean I will bet it. But it's one of those like I'm considering this, and I want to wait and just see everything. What is everything? Props included because I want to put together a portfolio, right? I don't want to just necessarily have outrights. And part of part of a portfolio is just is your outright portfolio. But if I can find a better angle on Byron, I think I would take that. So I'm more just waiting on him because this is one where I think if I wait, I might be able to find a better angle on him. But even if I wait and don't find a better angle on him, I probably would still take him at like 16 to 1. So I'm okay with that. It's one of the it's 
and that's the thing. People will be like, oh, well, you didn't get him at the best odds possible. I'm like, I don't care because I think the best EV was waiting on him to see if something else popped up better, and then it didn't. So it's not always about getting the exact best number. It's about maximizing your expected lifetime value uh, rather than your raw value uh, because you never know if a guy is going to uh, – if your guy who – you, you really like who you're showing thin value on will come up in massive value in a different market. And that's what I kind of did with Ty Dillon, some five to one at, uh, you know, top 10. And then all of a sudden Caesars drops their top manufacturer odds and he's 66 to one. And I bet him at 66 to one. I wrote him at 50, 51, 55 to one. Cause he'd already moved after I bet him, I moved to the market. Um, but, uh, so I actually did get him at 66 to one. He's tracked and in my sheet and everything is 55 to one. But uh, that's the whole point is like I saw top 10 value on it at five to one, but I wanted to wait. And then I actually ended up getting him six and a half to one at top 10 anyway. So it's one of those things where you don't necessarily have to bet people. You, it, there's part of being a good better is anticipating the market as well. Mm-hmm. Especially this week, like, there's certain weeks that you that you should absolutely jump on value early, but yeah, I don't know this. A lot of it. Or, there's a little bit that is uh, a little bit of gut feeling on stuff, and you know if when it feels right, you do it. But I'm gonna go for my winner, Bubba Wallace. Hell yeah, dude! I love it. And that. Sexy ass McDonald's paint scheme. Yes, I fucking love that. That car looks so good. Um, behind when he has the DraftKings paint scheme, but I want this season to start out with a bang. And there's no nobody can deny right now that Bubba Wallace is near the top when it comes to super speedways. He is amazing at this track type. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to think that 2311 won't be able to compete in this race. So locking it in, Bubba Wallace. Rotodoc has Byron. Byron and above. Man. And our like random said, fantasy picks are below average. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought I was gonna have a good year, right? Like wasn't one of our predictions coming in the year like this is going to be your year, Rotodoc? No. Uh huh. Yeah, not. your first two, your first two picks in random fancy racing is Cody Ware and Chandler Smith. <laughs> Man. Hmm. All right. I think that's all I got. This might. This was a solid episode, though. Oh, it was good. I I'm absolutely floored by the live betting a prop on air. And somehow we beat the market to it because we bet it at minus 150. And after we bet it at minus 150, and after I double bet it at minus 150, because I wanted to get down and then do some calculations to make sure I knew how much I wanted to get down. After all that, then it moved to minus 170. So there's one movement. It moved to minus 180 or 85. I can't remember. There was another movement. Then it moved to minus, what, 230? I think. Yeah. Then two fifteen. They took it off the board. Yeah, and there was a, an off the board, and then two eighty. So it moved five times without us even touching it, which I think is great because 
that means other people saw this and bet it as well. And we got in, if not first early, because I, I, like you said, you refreshed it and saw it and it came up and I was like, Oh shit. Uh, but, uh, first on stacking Denny's, maybe we'll have another one this year. <laughs> oh, I hope so. We need, really we're going to have to figure out a way to do a live show this year, I guess, because of that. Yes. Yeah. We got to figure out like the schedule for when books come out with their odds. Yeah. I feel like that would be the best time, but Daytona 500 is going to be a special exception, obviously, because it's Daytona 500, but you're right. We need to kind of get on the schedule and like DraftKings was kind of on their schedule this year, but they didn't do top manufacturer, which made no sense. They didn't do top 10, which made no sense. But other, the other things they did was right on their normal schedule. So I'm curious how that's going to play out. So we'll just have to monitor. Uh, and like I said, timing the market is important. There has been other times I've specifically waited on draft, especially last year. I knew Caesars was hanging the long shots at even longer odds than other books early in the year, not later in the year, but early in the year. So I specifically waited on a couple drivers to get longer odds on them early in the year because I knew Caesars was going to drop them later at longer odds. And mm-hmm. I did. I don't think any of them won, but I think the whole point is I got value simply by knowing I could wait. So if you want to be successful in NASCAR betting, you have to consume it all. Consume every content creator you can. Look at books all the time. Understand their trends. And that is a portion of the way to getting there. Mm -hmm. And always remember, this is a very long season. Oh, I was down 10 units in the first three or four weeks, and I ended up up 70 units. So. It it yeah. never fails. Like I've been doing this, I've been doing this fancy stuff for for a long time. Mm-hmm. And typically, this is how my season goes. I I start slow. Uh, I'm super hot in summer, and then I end slow. That's I think that's most of us. Yeah, and you just have da- to remember Daytona that. aside for me. I think that's my typical trend. And and that's when it gets scary for me because the last two years I've gotten off to super hot starts to start the year, so I'll get super hot. I've oh I'm always hot in summer, and then the fall last year was awful for me. But I but I stepped away. Oh, we're definitely hitting the over there. I was say over plus one. There we go. It's Daytona, man. It's the longest show of the year. It's supposed it's supposed to be the longest show of the year. This is the Daytona yes. 500. We're gonna talk everything we could talk, and we accidentally had a. 10 minute segue on a bet we saw live. <laughs> but uh but yeah, like biggest takeaway, just remember this is a long season. You go through a uh you go through a hard hard rough patch. Start just start betting less until you start getting back on your game. Mm-hmm. Like there are 40 races this year. Like you're go- you're not going to win them all. No, god. And and people that think they can or that they do, or honestly, I don't believe them at all. But God no, good, I I lose more good, than I win, and that's not a yes. DFS wise, thir- if I hit thirty percent winning weeks, I'm having a great year. That's that's the benchmark. So absolutely. Good luck to everybody with their bets this weekend with Daytona. Hopefully we helped you out a little bit. Follow us on Twitter. Like we're, we're I'm sure there's going to be more shit that pops up as this week goes on. I'm, as I'm we curious, get the- Jordan. I'm curious if there's any, and, and I'm surprising you with this live on podcast. If there's any potential to do a live show this weekend, 
I'm I'm scheduled to, or I'll do a live show. I was planning on doing a live show Sunday if you want to join me. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Let's do it. I think we should. I'm adding you in there then. Yeah, there it is. All right. Boom. Scheduled right here on Stacking Denny's. Me and Rotodoc, Rotodoc and I will be doing a live show on Sunday. Yes. And we're we're going to be talking all DFS and all strategy. And hopefully, if one of us doesn't win the Millie, somebody that we helped with will. Because, man. Who uh who was it? Sean that won it last year? Yeah, Sean I saw Taylor. Sean Sean Tra- Tra- I think it's trailer. Trailer. I apologize. Yeah. Trailer. I always yeah. mess that up. Yeah, I saw his tweet, I think it was earlier this week. It's like, oh, time to f- defend my crown. <laughs> he stole it from me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, uh, I love Sean. He's he's a really nice guy. Um he he's been following me for a long time and uh super sharp DFS player. And I guess he's not super well known in DFS circles because he only has 166 followers on Twitter. But I know I have known of him for a long time, and he's very sharp. So, um, congrats! Obviously, well done. I hope the taxes weren't uh, too much of a burden. I guess it's tax season coming up, but uh, dude, go for it, defend your crown. But I'm coming for you. <laughs> it's going to be an exciting weekend, and we will. NASCAR's back, man. I'm, I'm so, excited. so excited. Yes. Let's fucking go. Yes. This is going to be a good year. So good luck to everybody this week with the Daytona 500. We'll get back and talk to you with Auto Club the week after and recap Daytona. Thank you again to Bella for sponsoring this podcast and, and our wine about it segment. And oh, we're, hey, we're totally going to whine all year. Oh, yeah. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.